audio home of ruthless aggression returns. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we swipe the blade right for a crimson dose of that one and only performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear ready to deliver yet another smack-talking, skywalking episode of the ITC that is nothing short of money. If you ain't talking money, what the hell you talking about? <laughs> hey, all right about that. We have heard it through the grapevine that many of you have been enjoying our recent buffet of sound from WrestleMania weekend that we've been, you know, rolling out. I heard you laugh. I heard you get off on it, brother. So along with checking out our bonus interview episode for Monday, if you haven't heard it yet, including a sit-down with Goldberg, we're going to hit you up with the final dose of our remaining sound today, featuring the likes of Samoa Joe, The New Day, Big Sexy Kevin Nash, Kurt Angle, and much, much more. Along with recapping the week that was in WWE, we will also go deep and preview Friday's greatest Royal Rumble card from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, including all of the good and bad headlines associated with that out of nowhere pop-up supercard. We'll get we'll get deep into it. Believe me on that one. And with me to stir the sauce today, if you will. And let me be frank, I got that hot sauce. Oh, yeah, as the Enzo to my big cast, the Sunil to my gender, yes, the bad guy himself. Oh, yeah, it's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, are we not past the Enzo Amore audio drops? We're, we're not. And by the way, like, it's a good segue. I really miss this guy. And I don't think, like, morally I should. Like, who you know, who knows what really happened? There's going to be blah, blah, blah. You're going to see it play out. I know he got fired for more than one reason. But I'm really not over this guy. I didn't realize how great he was at his job until I go to the soundboard every week and go, man, all I want to be doing is playing Enzo. Yeah, I mean, the drops are good, but... It would be nice if he had some relevance to the world of professional wrestling anymore, which it really just does not seem like he does. I mean, this guy might, what, take some independent bookings? Maybe he'll be all in, uh, potentially. But I didn't that even would be think a, of that. That'd be a horrible move. So, like, I don't know. I, I think we can do better is all I'm saying. What do we got over here? I never even thought about that idea of him going indie. It's almost like when he disappeared, I, I just like, okay, he's gone, right? This was a pretty bad offense that he supposedly did. We'll see what happens with his future in terms of the legal sense of it. But, wow, him showing up, like, think about it. Love him or hate him. He really could jump in and make a difference in a promotion if given the mic and given a chance. You know, I mean, I think we realize a lot of what he did out there was from him. And he's talked a lot about having that really giant playbook that he walks around with him that has like five million, you know, one liners on it. So, hey, I'm not saying I, you know, fully support this guy. I'm just saying I didn't expect, you know, BC's heart to still be kind of stuck on some of this guy's creativity. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the drops are good. If we could reduce him to only audio drops. He's he's useful. Outside of that, there's really no other part of him that I appreciate enough to be featured on uh, on our show. But look, you're the, you're the man whose name's on the marquee, not me. So no, if you're down about. for Enzo Amore audio drops, then that, that's fine. Well, Silver King, we are certainly going to dig deep into Friday's Saudi Slam Fest, if you will. But that's not the only better big... name, better name for the event. Then greatest Royal Rumble. The money in the sand match they should have had on there. But that's not the only bit of combat sports action this weekend that our ITC viewers should be aware of. This Friday, boxing fans can, screen, can stream excuse me, the Jose Suleiman Invitational 
live from Louisville on CBS Sports Live. This eight-man welterweight tournament presented by Evander Holyfield's Real Deal Boxing features top fighters from around the globe, including 2008 Olympic gold medalist Felix Diaz. You can watch all four matches live online Friday night through the Sports Live streaming service. Just go to cbssports.com slash sports live to sign up today. Again, cbssports.com slash sports live. And please, as always, folks, if you like what you hear on today's show, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and please pay it forward. We're talking about a five-star review. Guys, we are one year into these, this ITC audio menagerie, and I think at this point we know what, what gets you off. Is that what gets you off? Don't you understand? We get them off. They don't get us off. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we really never celebrated the one-year anniversary of ITC. I just realized that. I know. You know, I had big plans for it, and Mania and the the Jetta Fest got in the way. You know, this summer the 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 the, the TBC turns the big four zero. So maybe we just need to do a you know extended one-year anniversary big four zero bash and plan something super special with some really good guests. And and you know we'll just go off the rails. Hey, we just went off the rails for a Karate Kid trilogy podcast that people seem to like. Maybe we'll just come up with something wrestling wrestling related and just have a real good time. But uh, full disclosure, Adam, to our loyal listeners, we did. Have plans this week to get Roman Reigns on the show, talk Lesnar, WrestleMania 34, Greatest Royal Rumble, and all that. Scheduling conflicts got in the way last minute, so we're, we're sorry not to be able to bring that, but, but, you know, plenty of good audio coming everyone's way. Hey, let's get into the week that was this week in the WWE by starting right off with that main event. This is the main event! So, BC, I am told, little birdie tells me, that you have a prepared statement to make as the first part of our main event today. Yes. uh, Look, this is something that's very important to me. I wanted to write a few words down and share it with everybody. Look, I know it has only been two weeks since the Superstar Shake-Up, and I know that there is plenty of time, you know, for Road Dogg or or anyone else to... I'm going to go back in here and kill SmackDown. But I can only go by the feels and vibes that WWE programming is currently giving me. And as things stand right now, my feels are speaking. Look, don't look now. On this day, Wednesday, April 25th, 2018... SmackDown Live has once again become WWE's A-show. This feels like late 2016 all over again. It's crisp, fast-moving, funny, fresh, great wrestling. Look, I'm not putting it all on one man because it's simply not true. But you did hear this one man talk about this topic during our ITC bonus interview from WrestleMania on Monday, and you did hear him again to open SmackDown on Tuesday night. And the common denominator in the blue brand being back really is The Miz, and really, I think he said it himself best to open the show last night. The A-lister is back on SmackDown Live, and SmackDown Live is now the A-show. I make it my seat. I bring the ratings. And Miz, along with guys, certainly Nakamura, Styles, Good Brothers, a lot of the great women on the on that show, on and on, are beginning a full invasion again of my WWE feelhouse. Now, Adam, I know what you're thinking. And no, I'm not going to do what just about every wrestling podcast constantly does, which is sit here and assume that WWE is creative, is listening to our show and either counting 
counter promote programming you know their critiques uh, against our critiques out of spite or actually taking cues of our creative ideas and in thinking about trying them next i think both scenarios are a bit much when people do that but i do wonder if the wrestling gods heard your audio coronary a few weeks ago about how vince was 100 percent going to screw up the blue brand following the superstar shakeup and said it's time to score one for the optimistic fans, for the powers of positivity, for the fans who sat through Jinder and the welcoming committee knowing that one day their ship might come in. Uh, you know, for those fans, look, right now this one's for you. And that right there, Silver King, is ultimately the truth. SmackDown Live is the A-show, and I'm not really sure you can handle that truth. You can't handle the truth. You know, I never thought I would say this to anybody. But you smoke entirely too much reefer, man. Are you like, smoking the same crap he's been smoking? Because if you are, brother, give me some. I want to be delusional too. No, come on. I want to be come like on. A fruitcake no, out no. Here. There are some positives to what is going on Tuesday nights on SmackDown. It is much better than it was on the road to WrestleMania 34. But it's not the A show. And there's one specific reason why. And it's the writing, because even though the angles are moving in the right direction and it allows me to join and take some of those powers of positivity and say, I like the direction we're going. If you look at Monday Night Raw the last couple of weeks, specifically this week, and you see the way they are writing and booking the talent that on SmackDown had gotten annoying and just it was repetitive and you see how fresh Raw is. You can't go then and tell me that SmackDown that has big cast in a, in a he's all suited all of a sudden and he ha doesn't have a long sleeve shirt that fits. You see his entire forearm oh, when he lifts his arm oh, in the don't air. Don't do it. Don't try to pick the and, one gray hair out of a full. And you have and you have Oscar and we'll discuss this later losing her second match in the match immediately after she lost her first. It was a tag match team match. The in streak's years. over. She still lost. She still lost. And, and some of the the promos because you know the promos are written still really difficult and tough to digest for all the positives still going on on SmackDown, not still going on on all the new positives that are going down on SmackDown. There is so much still there from the writing perspective that counteracts it on a weekly basis. Now, when you say so, writing, you mean, you mean angles I am moving, and storylines? Here's the point, man. I'm moving in your direction. You're, I'm on the way. Jump I'm, in. I'm, I'm coming up. Jump but in. But to call it the A show today is ridiculous. No way. You got to get you got to be vulnerable enough to put yourself in that position to jump in the deep end and say, "I'm really entertained. I'm enjoying this." In the last 2 weeks, it's been great. You can feel that that energy again. You can There's feel one reason you're saying this. The, the Miz coming back is nice. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening. There's one reason you have this opinion, and it's Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, certainly, it's a big part of it to close the show with that. And and look, I mean, if you want to get right into that right now, wait, well, no, hold, push pause on Shinsuke for one second. You say the writing. I just want to kind of clarify and get from you. Do you mean the dialogue that's written? Do you mean yes. the, the booking of the angles? Are you saying all all things together? The booking of the angles has improved, but we're also BC comparing it to a repetitive six months where nothing happened. It was the same story every single week with slight changes. What we're getting is fresh in terms of some of the angles, and that's great. But the writing, the promo writing, and some of the verbiage that's being used is just the same crap that it has been. And that, to me, is just as big of a part of, a sh of the show as the angles being good. And we'll talk about this maybe later, but BC, 
Jinder Mahal on Raw is a breath of fresh air. He was cutting the oh, same promo on. every Get out of I'm, here. You can't see, you I, can't believe I, I Jinder, that. I, a breath I've of been, fresh air? You can't mean that. I've been talking crap about Jinder Mahal for, like since he it's the same got, thing. started his push. No, 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 no. That backstage segment with Chad Gable was fresh. Their in-ring product, the way that match was put together was fresh. Raw and the people that are booking and writing that show are doing things with stale characters that with SmackDown, we're seeing a couple angles. But the writing's not any better. You think the Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy thing is is quality writing that makes any uh, sense? Okay, like, you're going to pick out maybe the, the the one, you know, really vanilla my blah point part of is, the show. Fine, my, you know? My like, point is, man, it's getting better, and I'm on the way there with you. It. But to definitively today, after one week, call it the A show, is ridiculous. You got to just, just, you know, pass it, pass the digit to the left side. You got to just go all in and believe it right now. And wait, did somebody just say all in? I don't, uh, know if don't think I really heard that. I'm all Come in. On. Are you all in, Brian? Yes, Brandy. No, Brandy, I I'm am. not all in, Brandy. No. I am all in on SD Live. But your point just to, to when you when you pushed me forward was Nakamura. And right now, Adam, I, I defy anyone to disagree with me. Heel Nakamura is a perfect character right now. It's It's unbelievable. It's perfect. I never thought that. Some of the things he was doing that I loved about him as a babyface would work this better as a heel. And we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. I don't want to re, you know, regurgitate all that. But even some of the creepier parts of his babyface persona, where a couple of times he's going, eh, it's a little creepy. I know, like, that's a, like, you know, he stands there and calls you on. And remember, he would put his head in people's crotch and do that weird. Like, these things as a heel are brilliant and they work. And he certainly healing out a bit more and making more menacing faces and you know whether you say it's gimmick infringement uh on toriano of njpw to punch a guy in the crotch all the time and ben coli at comet coli has kind of made that same point to me on twitter and, and it's true oh, it's completely but, different Come but it, at the same time i never thought i could be this excited about one man punching another man in the crotch so often in the way that nakamura does it with the uppercut and just holds his fist there almost like he's you know a basketball player holding the hand up after you make the jump shot i mean it's so awesome when he hit those Kinsajas on, on AJ and Carl Anderson jumping in the way. Everything about that. Look, we opened the show, and I didn't even tell you the Good Brothers and AJ Styles doing the two sweet in the middle of the ring was like my ultimate feel spot for the month. I didn't even bring that up because overall, SmackDown's so good, and I loved the Miz opening the show, but I certainly loved Nakamura closing it. It's perfect, Adam. Perfect to the level that there's nothing about him I do not like right now. Well, the Good Brothers stuff, and I wrote this on Twitter, is a little ridiculous. It's like they're children in a divorce, just jumping back and forth from mom, mom to dad, back and like obviously AJ's mom because of the hair, but like, <laughs> like okay, so now you're Balor Club. Now you're, can you can you guys st stand on your own? I know WWE doesn't book them strong on their own, but like you I gotta mean, agree, is they're that all they are. They're better right? like this though with AJ. They're they're better. They than are no, this is their best incarnation. But is that all they are in WWE? It's just. Guys to support either Styles or yes. Balor. Right now, unfortunately, that is, you know, they had a quick it's run with, with the belts last year at Royal Rumble. Yeah, it certainly is, you know, but I, I'd rather them be this than be in the middle, yeah. you know, be borderline jobbing on Raw like they have been. Now, that said, Powers of Positivity, Adam, loved what Anderson did. I never did heard that, that guy. Who, who's that guy? Who? Who? Well, this who, is what I'm trying to who? tell you. I do, I, I don't hate SmackDown roundly like I used to. I'm on my way to the promised land with you, but I'm not there. Anderson, the way they booked him in that match, oh, yeah. was amazing. Sacrificing himself for AJ Styles, that was great. Yeah, we love we love Carl Anderson. We loved him on on our interview show last week, where he's like, you know, as a babyface, I'm getting to do more, and and you're seeing that. You're seeing the former G1 <laughs> finalist. Final. You know, you're seeing that all the way there. But 
I said everything about Nakamura was perfect. Adam, on Twitter last night, you didn't think everything was. And and some people came at you over the new Nakamura theme song. I got a lot of negative things I can say, but a lot of people said them at you. What's your give me your take? Let me understand what you're truly saying here. So people are sheep, first of all. But let me say a couple things. Why are they sheep? Um, No, no. Why are they sheep? Because because the immediate reaction is, oh, that's cool. So now they have to like it. And any opinion otherwise is wrong. Like there can't be shades of gray between liking something and not liking something. So let me break it down for you. And I did deviate off the general topic, which is, yeah, Shinsuke is basically perfect. They yeah. they are building a perfect heel in Shinsuke Nakamura. Let's get that out of the way. I love everything they're doing. Here's my issue with the new theme. So I I love the idea, love the idea of changing his theme because you don't want fans singing along with a heel's entrance. Okay, so, right? you, so you, foundationally, you do agree with that because fans were killing you saying, do you not get it? You just got marked out. The- which is absurd, which is absurd because all they were doing was regurgitating the sell job that Corey Graves said on air as the reason that Nakamura changed it. Yes, I heard what the commentator said. Yes, I understand the angle. And I, I, I would have preferred he didn't say anything, right? And people come to that realization on their own. They did it with Steve Austin when he turned heel. That was an awful theme. The, the one that they changed Austin's to back in the day. And that's how I feel about this one. It's not that it's a bad idea. It's a good idea. It's the right idea. When Bobby Roode eventually turns heel, as much as we love Glorious, it should change to something that fans can't naturally sing along to. Here's the problem. The song does not work as a WWE entrance theme. I got many tweets saying, you need to listen to it multiple times. And then it really grew on me. And I listened to it. It totally grew on me. I have it on my iPhone. It's going to be part of my shuffle rotation. It's cool as a song. It's not good as an entrance theme. If you watch SmackDown again and you see him come out, it's just noise. It's it's nothing melodic. It's nothing even that is something you want to hear when you watch someone come to a ring. Baron Corbin's original entrance theme, it wasn't great. You weren't going to sing along to it, but it worked for a heel. That's all, all that that's my that's my biggest issue with it. I don't think it's good. For an entrance theme for Shinsuke Nakamura. Wow. That's it. I don't you, see what's, you obje- gotta stop. what's objectionable. You, you gotta stop. Um, I'm afraid I've got um, something for you. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. As I set a record for most sound drops played in one show. That is an awful take, Adam. That's awful. <laughs> Their song is, look, is it is the new song better than the original? Absolutely not. You want to know why? Because the original is arguably the greatest theme song in WWE history, as is the entrance. Yes, changing it to any kind is a good move. And you, you spelled out that you understand that because when you're a heel, you can't have the kind of song that people are just going to love you for. And they did that here. But I, I almost feel like you would prefer that they just came out with something awful instead. And you're saying you think this is something awful. I think what they did was fantastic. I mean, this was it, it, it ended up keeping the core of it, but changing it in a Barely. whole new direction. You're adding culture. You're adding Japanese almost like rap. But here, look, he was called the rock star and he had basically a classical song. Now he's got a rock song. And I thought that little intro video they did. And by the way, you can watch the full video on YouTube. And it's I think it's fantastic. But that little intro of the guitar plugging in and the amp and all that. I love that. And so maybe you didn't love the so, they're cutting every, so they're cutting the intro, the long intro to everyone else's themes. Finn Balor can't have his intro. Cedric Alexander can't have his intro. But I get to hear uh, a plug being put into an amp and a guitar getting tuned yeah. before Shinsuke Nakamura comes out. Yeah, for Give this badass heel, absolutely. And, the, and yeah. I don't know if you just can't hear Jimmy, but I don't know how you could hear the song and not be fired no, I up hear, by it. I, I listen to Jimmy, and I hear Jimmy, okay? But this... 
Oh, yeah. Let it soak in. Just, just, just drink. Just drink it in, man. Oh yeah, come on! I get to talk after so hearing the, that. that first, that first part of the song, I don't mind too much. It's right after you cut it. What follows that I absolutely despise. I my favorite genre of music is rap. I also very much like. Linkin Park type rock, where it's kind of rapish lyrics over semi hard rock, whatever you want to call that genre. I don't have a good don't answer. Don't tell me you're a right? Limp Biscuit fan. Can, so, we, can we can we cut that uh, off? No, not a fan, not a fan. But when it was popular in some of the big songs, I, I didn't mind listening to them at all. So this type of music is my type of music. What I'm telling you is for an entrance theme, someone walking to the ring, blaring over those speakers and translating to a television. I hated it. It was awful. But again. Listening to it on my iPhone, when people sent me the YouTube video, I was like, yeah, this isn't as bad. Why don't I like it? Then I put on SmackDown again, and I hated it that's as ridiculous. his entrance theme. So I, I don't think that's an unfair opinion to have. I'm not totally trashing it. Oh, this guy's I mean, Silver artistically, King it's fine. But, like, fired up. it doesn't fired work up. for me. It just doesn't. Silver King wasting no time to get the offense going here. This guy's offended. He's fired up right now. By the way, I will say, I will say, I much preferred the graphics and the titantron because they took that stupid yellow text out they put his name in black which was awesome they changed some of the stuff that showcases him as a performer as a face made it much more heelish so so i loved that i thought that was a massive improvement unlike what they've done with baron corbin and jinder mahal recently all right all right, all right we, we can we can you know agree to disagree on, on something that i think is an absolute slam dunk but another part of what's made smackdown strong for for my opinion i'd like to hear yours was that opening which involved ms tv Daniel Bryan not coming out because he was beaten down backstage by by Big Cass, who's really going all in. He's making his move. He's wearing the suits. And by the way, let's not forget, he had two really bad theme songs post-splitting with Enzo. <laughs> and I yeah. really feel like they got it right. I'm going to play you a snippet here. I popped for this big. Yeah. Wow, as we're just turning this into ITC karaoke, but seriously, I think <laughs> that fits him perfectly. It kind of sounds a little bit like the riff in the Undisputed Era song, but it's it's badass. And I saw a lot of hate ultimately on my timeline. Even the, our own Nick Costos texted me and was like, man, Cass can't talk. And he's just like, he hates Dan O'Brien because he's shorter than him. But I think ultimately... I really liked the overall presentation. He's not great on the mic. I know that. And he didn't have the best material to work with. But I love what they're doing right now. I like this little three-way Oh, oh he didn't have the best material to work with, did he? All right. You know, uh, look, his, look, the basis was something you teased up last week. You know, him coming back on the same day as Brian. I just thought, you know, they didn't really maybe write him as tough as he could be. Oh, but... oh there was writing problems on SmackDown on the opening All right, segment. So, so, what you're, so, so SmackDown's got to be perfect <laughs> to be the A show now? Is that, is that ultimately what you're saying? You, you said it's the A show, and you're – Basically saying exactly what I said to open this show about SmackDown's writing problems. Here, here's what I'll say, BC. Uh, first of all, you're right. The music, awesome. Like, way better than the first two entrances and better than a lot of, of the newer themes that they've put together. They didn't really fix the Titantron when, you, when he walks. It still says big ass, you know, whatever. <laughs> you guys can deal with that. Um, I didn't mind him. I thought someone tweeted me, hey, am I wrong? Cass was pretty good on the mic. I thought he was totally acceptable. Me too, um, yeah. I didn't. 
I didn't really have much of an issue with it. I thought the promo went on too long. He kind of rambled a little bit. If you're going to be a heel and you're going to come out suited like that, short, sweet, to the point, tell us what your problem was with Daniel Bryan. Move on. My biggest issue with the entire thing was the attack backstage. That was his last angle when he left. He attacked Enzo backstage, and he's just doing it again to another little guy. Oh, like, come on. That, that, you had an issue with that? Like That's, that's it like just years repetitive. ago at this it's point. It's not creative. Dude, I really feel like you look at it and go, I can't allow myself to really like this, so I got to find a hair in this. Hey, look, I got this great pasta meal in front of me, but I got to find the one yeah, hair I'm from afraid, the cook I'm in saying, there. I'm disagreeing with you and saying he's better than, than you did, and I thought the segment was better than you thought it was. I just don't like that. I, why, why am I not allowed to say, I like this, but I don't like that? I don't understand why people have a problem with that, that I can't say, yeah, this is going in the right direction. What I would have done is this. What's the problem with that? I, I think you're, you're pulling hairs in this case, all right? And I, th- I actually, I loved it, by the way. I just thought, you know, it wasn't the best material he had, but I thought he, he delivered well. I care about this triangle love, not love, hate feud right now, and I want to see where it goes. And I think ultimately how Cass plays into this, whether he ends up being a bodyguard of Miz, or, or what you know, and end up spinning off into a Miz cast feud afterwards, or not? I'm really interested on where they're going. I'm just as interested in seeing Brian sort of feud with Cass right now, maybe to get us to that Brian Miz feud. They got my attention. It was great. And you know, bonus DM slide from Michael Sean at R E E B eighty two says, "Hey, funny to me that no one has noticed SmackDown top ten has disappeared. Glad it did too. You know what? I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm not even going to answer that bonus DM slide. So it's, why did you put it in the show then? It's like it never happened because the new SmackDown is so fresh, so so clean. I'm ready for big things. I'm ready for big things out of this main event storyline. I love almost everything the blue brand gave me." There we go. There we go. So, you know, it, spread that on your that bread. Fre- it's not that fresh. It's not that clean, but it is headed in the right direction. We will see how it looks by the time we get past backlash or, or right up into it. What I do like BC though, about the cast feud, it's the perfect way to spend three or four weeks, get us past backlash and then allow the Daniel Bryan Miz feud to actually begin and it really seems like they're going to pay it off at SummerSlam now. And Miz, by the way, opened it and said, you know, I'm here for, for, for bigger belts, for a bigger title. And I hope, and we'll get into the greatest Royal Rumble, but I hope he doesn't go back in the IC level. And I hope we're really going to, the Miz's future is Daniel Bryan and a WWE Championship feud. And maybe that's the same thing. Maybe that feud comes through Daniel Bryan. Who knows what the future will bring. But it's time to really take a chance, let this guy be the actual face of the blue brand. Fired, fired up. Hey, number two on our main event this week, Adam, Drew McIntyre on Raw delivers, in my take, I want to hear your reaction, a promo of the year type contender when he stood next to Dolph Ziggler. They had a match. Who did they beat in that match? I didn't, I, uh, I don't even know. I feel um, like a lot happened this week. I didn't even write it down. Hey, they look good in doing it. They Oh, Apollo and uh, Titus Worldwide. They, they had Titus that, Worldwide, okay. They had that run back with Titus Worldwide. And, you know, let me hit you up with some, some sound here from Big Drew. I am dangerous. I'm especially dangerous to a locker room that's apparently gone soft. I walk around, I see no fire, no ambition. People just collecting checks and it makes me sick. This, this is what a superstar looks like. This is how a superstar speaks and I got all the credentials in the world to back it up. And you can trust me, trust me when I tell you the times are a-changing. I'm not what WWE wants. I am the wake-up call and reality check this place desperately needs. 
yeah. I mean, wow. Like, we don't have to belabor this long, but I wanted to put this in the main event because this was awesome, and it was a little bit different from most, you know, most promos. And I, what it did for me was... I was came in really excited about Drew McIntyre, you know, of course, playing the, the diesel role to Shawn Michaels and, and, Drew, and Dolph Ziggler in this spot. Now I'm like, what's this guy's ceiling as a singles performer on the main roster? And let me t- and let me mind you, I didn't really love him his first time around. I didn't really love him in NXT. I felt that he had returned and refurbished himself and looked good. But now he's showing you he has great main roster potential. That promo is not just a potential promo of the year candidate, although I generally prefer them to be longer. It was very short. Um, it's the, I think that's his best moment in the history of his tenure with WWE because you watched that and the immediate thought was, that's a main eventer. And I've never thought that about Drew McIntyre until that moment. It was better than anything he did in a short run with NXT. Um, he looks the, like the real deal, like you said. It was a little strange because I kind of thought something like that would happen as he eventually one day split from Ziggler or they feuded against one another. It was almost like Dolph cut a really good... It's also getting overlooked. Dolph cut a good promo, too. He he overshadowed him. He did. And that's maybe a little bit of a problem unless they are going to make them true equal partners in whatever they're doing with them. And let me not be naive. That's the same thing that happened to Diesel, right? He became so cool that eventually you were like, wow, this guy could stand alone, and he did. And I know it was the bad time in the mid-'90s, and some people think Diesel's a little bit overrated, but I will not let any Kevin Nash slander happen on this podcast. In fact, you'll be hearing from Big Sexy later. But yeah, fired up. By the way, Dolph did close that promo by saying, we didn't just steal the show, we are the show. And I just hope... And I'm going to pull Adam Silverstein here. Just hope we are. This is not a we are. You know, we don't just set the bar. We are the bar. I hope they don't come out next week and they're called the show. Dolphin uh, and Drew. You know what I mean? Let's, let's, I'm just hoping I, we don't do that. You know what? I don't mind that name. Actually, mm-hmm. I'd rather them have name than just be two dudes. Like right, I always the whole hate when show. tag teams are just dude and dude. You know. But if they're the whole effing show, then we got a problem, right? Oh, the whole effing show you're talking about. I mean, that's a whole nother level. I. I you know what they need to do? Like, I, I'm not trying to make this a, a entrance theme show, right? I'm not trying to talk about all this, but they got to give them an entrance theme. Like, they finally figured out a way for Dolph's record scratch to work, right? At the beginning of the of the music by cutting off Drew. But like, Drew's theme sucked. He needs to go back to his original one. Dolph's. It, they got to do something with these guys if they're really going to be badass. You can't have them coming out to like pink steal the show. Dolph Ziggler theme every single week if they're going to be badass dudes on this roster that are either going to infiltrate the tag team picture or potentially do something bigger and contend for the world title and intercontinental title, you know, yeah, as a that's not going to hold them back. They don't have horrifically bad songs. I mean, they're just, you know, it's really, I like Dolph's theme for Dolph when he, especially when he's a face, but they gotta, they gotta start treating people with their entrance themes like they do in storyline. And yeah, well, Nakamura this week, it was great. You know, well, Nakamura, again, step in the right direction. I just didn't like it. Oh, here we go. Now we're hedging. Now we're hedging. Now I, I like it on my no, phone, but I, I don't like it on, dude, spent, on TV. Dude, I spent 10 minutes talking about it earlier. I That's know, but he was a little shaky there. A little stand on the fence. Got no, caught. there's no shake. There's, there's no shake there. All right, um, then, yeah, what do you got? While we're on this topic, before we depart off this topic real quick, this is what I wanted to say earlier, where I think Raw, talking about SmackDown moving in the right direction. I think Raw is really moving in the right direction. I loved what we saw from these two guys. I loved, seriously, this is the Silver King saying this. I loved what I saw from Jinder Mahal, not just in the segment backstage with Chad Gable, which I thought some unique writing allowed him to show some personality for the first time. I really legitimately think he's getting better in the ring. And 
like he held his own against Chad Gable in that match. Chad Gable was great backstage. Oh, yeah. Putting Chad Gable over with a roll-up, was it a roll-up victory? Whatever it was, yeah. was, fan, was fantastic, giving him a push. They're doing this the right way, and even having that Chad Gable-Kurt Angle interaction, they tease Jason Jordan coming back, whether they team up again, whether they feud, maybe Kurt Angle sides with Chad Gable over Jason Jordan because he appreciates him, and they're similar together. They're more There's similar so than Jordan's. Yeah, they certainly are. There's so many things they're doing. And, and, and yeah, so uh, it was Gable looked great, and by the way, he didn't roll him up. What he did is he, he broke out of the Coloss by walking up the turnbuckles and then falling on right. him and getting that cool pin. So, yeah, on the I mean, I thought Raw was a little hit or miss in the sense that it like it wasn't a true go home show and there was you know they put women in the main event and you know it was looked weird opposite the promos for the greatest royal rumble which we'll get to in a second but i thought the middle of that show and a lot of these mid card presentations were strong we are going in the right direction there i thought raw legitimately got better hour by hour i think hour one was like hey we're going to preview the greatest royal rumble here's reigns and lesnar doing absolutely nothing again then it's like hour two all right we're going to give you some juice and then hour three there was the women's segment and some of the other stuff and i was like Man, Raw went from like crap to acceptable to really good hour by hour as we went along. And while I liked SmackDown and I liked the performers on SmackDown better, they need to do a little bit more to convince me that they oh, are stop. back on top. Just, just, just stop it. All right. Uh, let's close in our main event this week with our third item. And speaking of women, speaking of the greatest Royal Rumble, Triple H finally commented publicly on this giant elephant that's in the room that women are banned from competing in Saudi Arabia at Friday's Greatest Royal Rumble show, which will air 12 Eastern on the WWE Network. Trips talk to the UK's The Independent. I want to read you a little bit of that. He says, I understand that people are questioning it, but you have to understand that every culture is different, and just because you don't agree with a certain aspect of it, it doesn't mean it's not a relevant culture. You can't dictate to a country or a religion about how they handle things, but having said that, WWE is at the forefront of a women's evolution in the world, and what you can't do is affect change anywhere by staying away from it. He went on to say... That women may not be competing in the event this year, but they're having discussions. And he believes that in the next few years, they will be. And that significant cultural shifts are coming in Saudi Arabia right now. He thinks they're in the middle of it, et cetera, et cetera. End quote. Now, Adam, these are, by the way, strong and acceptable quotes from Triple H. But I don't think it really fixes it. This is, let's be honest, it's a, it's a giant hypocritical move what they're doing. And although I liked what Tripp said you may disagree with me, but I think this should have been addressed on WWE television, not in some British newspaper that people may uh. read. I think, look, if you are on one hand going to really push this women's evolution, by the way, the women were in the main event on Monday and we didn't really make a big deal, like not a big deal that they shouldn't have been there, but even a big deal that they are there because they've done such a good job with women that we now almost expect it. And yet you're counteracting that by promoting the greatest Royal Rumble in which they're not in. It, it just doesn't work. I almost think that they needed or need one time on WWE TV to just come out with a microphone and be like, look, this is the situation. We want to see change. Because what he said was right. They want to see change in Saudi Arabia. They want women to be there next year. But I, I think it's up to them to say that to this year's event is going to be part of that forward change. Because they didn't do that, it's really hard to get behind them. I, I don't think you do that on WWE TV because then you're putting additional light on an issue that's already touching in the first place. And I don't think the kingdom of Saudi Arabia wants WWE coming out and saying on WWE TV, hey, there's not going to be women on this show, but don't worry, we want to affect change. It's one thing for him to say that in an interview, in a newspaper, especially in the UK. 
it's a total different thing to make it a major subject that you're putting it in front of your some of your audience who may not even be thinking that way, okay, leading into this show. But I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do oh, wow. and just flip out, man, okay, on this. I really have two schools of thought here, and you need to indulge me just a little bit. On one hand, is this a total money grab? Yes. Do I believe they bastardized their WrestleMania booking and their booking over the last two months in order to fit this into a schedule in such a short window between WrestleMania and Backlash and, and give way, it a name? Backlash is next week. I didn't even know that. Backlash is the week yeah. after. And give it a name of an event, a historic WWE event that's run every January. And now we're getting our third Royal Rumble in the last three months. Yes, they're bastardizing Second. the name. They bastardized their booking. So let me put all that aside. Oh, and, and the women issue, the woman issue, right? I hate it, okay? I also don't like the fact that no one's even discussing the fact that if any WWE superstar has been to Israel in their lives and they have a stamp in their passport, they're not able to go into the country of Saudi Arabia. And there was some back and forth about whether Paul Heyman would be there. It was initially reported he wouldn't be. Now Dave Meltzer reports that he will be. So that's great. I, I don't know how. I don't know how Paul feels comfortable with that. Maybe we'll discuss that with him at some point. So that's one side of the coin, Okay. I had someone slide into my DMs who listens to our show and lives in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Oh, hey, breaking news here in the ITC. Because I tweeted about Heyman and he needed, he felt like he needed to kind of set me straight a little bit. All right. Here's what he said. Two years ago, there was not entertainment in Saudi Arabia. Like, period. They didn't have fun. They, they couldn't go out and they certainly couldn't sit men and women and watch some awesome show, right? This is a massive deal for people under 30, the more liberal population of Saudi Arabia. They're always going to be more conservative than we are in the United States than many other countries are. But they are slowly but surely progressing in many different ways. And what he said to me is that Americans do not understand how big of a deal this is towards you know, progression and liberalism and whatever you want to call it in Saudi Arabia. I'm not a geopolitical analyst here. I'm just trying to do the best I can. Um, so what he said to me is, look, yeah, there's no women on the show. Yes, there's, you know, anti-Israeli, anti-Jewish sentiment in the country. But all of that is changing. And he said, in the next two or three years, you're going to see women wrestle on the show. You're going to see women sitting together, which is not allowed, closer. And you're going to see single guys be able to fill out the stadium where right now they're relegated. It's like the upper decks in certain sections. He thought it's a great idea. He understands why everyone is so critical from the American side. But he said this is one of the biggest things that's happened in the country in a progressive way and that we need to be lighter on them. So, right, so that's really smart. But it kind of goes back to my point of if they're not saying this on WWE TV to educate us, then they're welcoming the backlash. They, they are. No, because because of what I said earlier. Like changes like this don't happen in the public eye. They happen slowly but surely in the background and then become public. This event, having something like this, like he said, two years ago, this never would have ever happened in Saudi Arabia. So what he's saying is, let's get the men on. Then let's get the right. audience. And I, I get that. But you're telling me that Stephanie McMahon couldn't have solved this in a two minute speech to open Raw? Like and then leading to whatever. She no, was I think it would have. I think it would have created more problems. For I WWE. completely disagree. I think this the way they've handled it now opens up the floodgates to get to get hate mail, to get bad headlines. Because, you know, like those, like I said, those comments from Trip are great. That guy DM sliding you, that makes a lot of sense. 
But when people don't have that information, it's a fabulous moolah situation all over again. It makes them look like they're tone deaf. I think the oh man, it's so tough. I think this is I don't I can't even compare this to the fabulous moolah situation because both are so objectionable that it's just really difficult to praise either. And I'm not trying to praise WWE for this or for the way they've handled it, but I don't think you put the issue front and center. Like with Fabulous Moolah, right? Stephanie addressed it in like a press release and that was it. And it's over. We don't talk it. We didn't talk about it further. It ended. And I think Triple H made these comments and we're talking about it on the show because it's our job, but it kind of killed the criticism. It's like WWE, yes, they recognize the issue. Yeah, well, who and saw they those it. comments? Like those but comments are buried. The people that were complaining, the people online on the internet that were complaining saw them. The regular average WWE viewer does not care. I completely disagree. The regular average issue. Of course they care. Look, I want to read you a quick little. I got a a great DM slide from our buddy Eric at Ribsauce, and it's very long, so I just want to read you one snippet from it. But look, he thinks that like the whole the whole idea of women not being banned and WWE not really addressing it at all is really just unacceptable to zero. He says, my wife is so angry about this entire thing and I do not blame her one bit. They spend the last two years patting themselves on the back every time a woman is on TV more than 30 seconds and then some country cuts a big check and they expose themselves as not caring one bit. And he mentions the, the possibility of Jewish talent not being able to go and he says, I don't know what the WWE did or said to their women's wrestlers to keep them quiet about this, but the lack of outrage is incredible from the women's wrestlers in general. He says two years ago, the SmackDown women complained about being on the pre-show of WrestleMania, but this doesn't get them to tweet anything about it negatively. There's more anger well, over they, Moolah they, they can't. The than this. making like $100 million. He says there was more anger publicly over Moolah than this by a factor of 10. And he says this is women talent being banned from a country in 2018. And why I read that is this. The, that's the average WWE fan, our buddy Ripsauce, him and his wife. There's nothing, if, unless they ran into that Triple H headline, luckily online, that fixes it for them. They, they might be turned off as a consumer to be turned off and not purchase something. I'm just saying, I, you go I out. Don't get this, I don't want to get this twisted. Nothing he said was wrong. I agree with like 95% of that comment. I'm telling you, though, from, peop- from the perspective from people in Saudi Arabia is give us time. Things like this, they're saying. I'm with you. This guy, this guy at least trips, said. Relay need, that message. Need to happen in order for them to take the steps that we want. If in two years... There's women performers on the show in long sleeves like they were in Dubai. Like, what was it? Sasha, Alexa Bliss, right? If that match happens in two years at the greatest Survivor Series, right, in Saudi Arabia, I think we'll say to ourselves, maybe it worked. Maybe like Right, long term, but short term, they got a PR problem. And I'm saying they could fix that in 10 seconds. That's all I'm saying. Two minutes, Steph on the microphone. That's where we did that's where we disagree. I think. So you're saying avoiding it, makes, ignoring it doesn't doesn't. I mean, come on. If you see how, something, say how something, much was the, Adam. How much was the Mula situation talked about once they changed the name of the event? Okay, so it wouldn't be talked about either if Steph came out and was just like, "Look, this is the situation. Next year, we will. We're going to make a change. We will have women on there next year." The I mean, like, king, what I'm telling you is, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia does not want the company that they paid X dollars to put this event on to publicly point out that. a problem with the event. But then it comes down to your backbone and what matters more to you. And clearly in this situation... Well, what matters to WWE is money. I know. So I'm not saying you traded. disagree with that. I'm just saying publicly what matters more to them is money, and they chose that road. A path opened up yes, in the woods, did. and they took the you know they took the wider one that's, that's paved in green. All right. No. In, in honor of those WWE women not getting question. it. And maybe Ripsauce is right. Maybe one of them should be tweeting about it, but obviously 
they've probably had discussions behind the scenes in the company, like you know this. It, is they situation. can tweet about it if they want to go look for a new job. Exactly. But okay. I'm not saying it's right. So in honor of the women not being there, hey, it was a good week for women in WWE programming. So let's quickly run through on a medley here of what we you know liked or didn't like. The biggest one, of course, was Ronda Rousey saving that tag team female main event, running in, rescuing Natalia. Then putting on the uh, the armbar right away. Who was that against? It, my, my mind's killing Mickey me. Mickey James. Mickey James, right. It was it was Sonya Deville last week. It was Mickey James this week. And it certainly raised the rent. She looked every bit a star. And I think it kind of saved another weird main event. I'm not saying that main event was bad, but this was the third week in a row since Mania that they gave us a like a house Crap. show main event. You know, and yeah. I thought this Rousey thing saved that and it kind of saved the episode overall. I didn't love this episode, but it stopped me from being negative. The only thing I disliked about it was that the reasoning for having the match was that the men got one last week. Like, stop it, okay? Like, the women don't have to have every single thing the men do. And by the way, the women can have something that the men don't. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, equal. Like, you know what I mean? It needs to be It needs to be equal, but it doesn't have to be repetitive, I guess is the best way for me to put it. Outside of that, let me get that out of the way. I love what they're doing with Ronda Rousey, B.C., and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to give you time to find the sound drop. Ronda Rousey has it. Wow. So much it. So much it. She comes out. The crowd exploded once again. She gets in the ring I'm like, man, what is she going to do with, with Mickey? Like, how's this going to go? The judo hip toss, the armbar locked in. Amazing, man. Like, Mickey attacking her. The reasoning for attacking her afterwards, she talked about on Twitter. Uh, the fact that Ronda Rousey came down to save Natalia. It was weird that they just decided to gang up on Natalia for no good reason. But outside of that, it just made so much sense. And I absolutely love how smart Triple H is being with Ronda Rousey because I think he's in charge of her booking. That he is putting her, her first major feud angle outside of Stephanie is with Natalia and Mickey James. You got a camping trip planned? Because I think you just I, I think you just pitched a tent there getting fired up there. I look, I, I got nothing really bad to say, but I thought even Mickey James set it up perfectly on how she worked over Natalia's knee and was really kind of just like extra heelish on that. Loved it across the board. When Roundy, Rousey walks out, she carries a star value. There's not really anything bad you can say about it. You know who else carried a star value this week? And that was the Iconics on SmackDown Live. They get better and better, Adam. And we know we've had Triple H on our show before. I know he said this on other shows, but let's remember, basically said it on our show first. Elias was somebody in NXT that he knew would have a brighter future on the main roster. And although I liked what I saw from Billy Kay and Peyton Royce on NXT, they are already leaping past that in terms of importance. And in terms of delivery, they are so good as being this this kind of like doing their shtick and and you know i mean you know i mean come on you know and so and- i i thought the first two weeks were really solid or was it one week i don't remember but i actually got a couple tweets about this and i was not negative really about it but they were like what wasn't that segment weird that I, they were asking me and I, you know what it, this week was clunky they jumbled it it, it wasn't smooth. oh how dare you how it dare wasn't you? their normal planned out execution which is top notch i love them i think you're right about them this week i didn't love it they were really good in the ring again this week and i i they were I, good in the ring they i do know what you're saying there were a couple little hiccups but i thought they rebounded well to, to to some of those little hiccups and that the segment was a little weird i thought they got back into their stick they put the train back on the tracks i don't know i really think they are overachieving and that's promising and they are coming across as credible villains in a way that the riot squad initially did not on SmackDown Live. So this is a 
a, a very big push forward. And I don't know if I've said it on here, but Billy Kay is really good in the ring. When she was in there against Charlotte a couple weeks ago, that really surprised me. Like, she didn't show that to me in NXT. Some people say, though, they're a little bit of a knockoff on early Bella Twins. And by the way, so do the Bella yeah. Twins. Did you see them April 21st on Twitter when they said, hey, at Paige, Bree and I would love to put the snack back, Nike kicks, jersey flannel, blah, 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 and twin power back on in that WWE ring, feeling pretty iconic with a little emoji face. I think that's their way of saying copyright infringement. But I don't you I know. Don't, what? I don't I, I don't buy it at all. To me, they're unique and different. I always thought they have been. Um, I find them extremely entertaining. I think Peyton's better on the mic. Billy's better in the ring. They work off each other extremely well. They did save it towards the end of that segment. You're right. But I, I just, this week was clunky. Um, I understand why they needed to beat Becky and Asuka. I hate that Asuka didn't get a win back oh, against come someone. On. It's a tag team match. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The streak's over. You got to move on. She's not going to rebuild the streak. Okay. Well, when she loses six matches in a row, tell me it doesn't matter. All right. Matter. Tell me if she, becomes, when she loses six matches. And she, if she becomes a job, because like she Becky will. Because the sky's falling. Don't have another SmackDown coronary. Give okay. it a chance. Uh, I mean, she got double teamed, though. Come on. Come on. Charlotte, you, let me ask you this before we, before we move on. Do you think. Based on what they're doing, teaming people up on SmackDown right now, do you think they're trying to bring in a women's tag team title? Yes, absolutely. And I think that people from Absolution to the Iconics would be perfect for it. I think when they do it, they should go young. And, and, and yeah, keep it I agree. And, and I also think it should be one title that bounces back and forth oh, between be brands. Be- yeah. I'm down with them, by the way, one titling and, everything. So that's. Well, you know what? I, I was going to say, I would be okay with a single women's title and a single women's tag team title. Because, by the way, you just have to make feuds feuds don't need belts they need storylines right like and titles. by the way championship part of the yeah, belt titles championship part of <laughs> of what makes this bludgeons versus usos thing is naomi work is naomi's involvement and i said it last week and i say it again this week there's there happens to be title belts at stake but i really care about this in ways i didn't think i would because there's actual something to focus on there there's the family element of naomi and, and jimmy uso and that worked again this week this week she double crossed the bludgeons and sort of distracted them but that's going in the right direction from a female and from a storyline standpoint and to round out the female roundup this week i really like charlotte destroying carmella during that contract signing it got me fired up for the backlash bout i thought both played their position really well I want to I want to care about that now where the women's division on SmackDown gave you no reason to in 2017. I'm back. They were both incredible. I loved that. See, WWE has gone away from women using their sexuality because they're trying to do the women's evolution and revolution. But women can still use their sexuality and, and have it not be a negative. And just that's not what Naomi got to do. Just not in Jeddah. They can't. Not in Jeddah. Uh, but I loved that segment with Naomi. Like not liked. I didn't like it. I loved it. It was genius. They're making the Usos look a little weak, that they need her help, but whatever. They've already okay. been squashed four times in a row. They are I weak know. right that's now. What so that's what I'm saying. It, no, it's, it's good. It kinda... Things happen. Eh. They're they're facing against the power. Look, this is a modern-day demolition, this Bludgeon Brothers, and they're getting that type of booking. <laughs> they are. They are. Oh, my they God. They just don't that's wear insane. S&M outfits. They, that's the truth. Uh, the one woman who we didn't give credit to that I'm going to, just to round out the segment, Carmella. You said Charlotte was great. Carmella was great, and... I'll even give SmackDown writing a gold star for her promo because she was great on the mic. Playing that video package twice, that everything about it. Per, loved it, loved it. All right, let's transition out of the main event. Let's get right into Jeddah, the greatest Royal Rumble preview. We're going to hit you up match for match. And before we do that, Adam, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what to expect. Last week, I was a little more excited 
coming off of your Twitter war with Thomas Jordan Sutton to give this <laughs> an award. to give this you know hope. <laughs> I'm still hopeful that the show will be entertaining, but what I'm not perfectly hopeful of is that the matches will matter. I don't. I I, I still am torn whether this will feel more like a glorified house show like we've seen on the network or whether this will feel more like an actual serious big brand for pay-per-view or big five, whatever you think. And some of that is the fact that like, you know, Triple H and Cena, just as an example, they gave us nothing, right? They gave us a one a 30 second video promo. I mean, they couldn't even have one guy come out on the mic. So there's a lot of that going through here. I don't know. Like, what do you expect as of right now, whether we're going to come out of this show on Friday wanting to talk about it, or whether we're going to be like, oh, wow, that was, uh, that was all, you know, that was, is it going to be like Raw 25 where all that buildup for, eh, you know, well, I liked one part of it, but not the rest. Well, first things first, I'm going to live up to my promise that I made on last week's show where I said, once we deal with all the crap that I dislike and hate about the greatest Royal Rumble, which we have already done, now I'm going to treat it like a wrestling pay-per-view and let's talk about it for real. So I'm going to live up to that promise, number one. I think by nature of there being seven title matches, it is already greatly differentiated from Beast in the East and some of these other specials. There are going to be BC multiple title changes on this show. And I know people don't think that's the case. I would not be surprised if we see, honestly, Universal, WWE, Intercontinental, United States, and obviously new ROG Tag Team Champions. I don't think all of those will happen. I think we'll get three of those. Wow, how much money are they getting? How much money are they getting for this WWE? This could get interesting. Let, let's, let's do it piece by piece here. Where do you want to start off? Let's uh, start from the bottom, as we should. Uh, I think the Cruiserweight Championship is going to wind up on the kickoff show. There is a one-hour kickoff show beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern. Wow. Pan- uh, Cedric Alexander. Pancakes. Get, defend- your, get your New Day pancakes ready for breakfast oh, yeah. in, uh, breakfast in Jeddah for you West Coasters. Let's what, do it. What, what actually sucks for me, Friday is my day off. You guys don't know this. And I have to watch a six-hour pay-per-view and cover it with Brian. But anyway, I mean, not, not that that's a bad way to spend the day, but it is work. Um, Cedric Alexander is going to be defending against Kalisto, who won that gauntlet match Tuesday night on 205 Live. BC, this is one match where I don't think we're going to see a title change. Neither do I. And if it was almost anyone else, and specifically if it was Mustafa Ali, I I did think they were. Because I feel like if there's any division where you almost need constant change in pinballing, it is the Cruiserweight division. It kind of mirrors the in-ring style. Except for somebody like Neville, who was building something, I think you do need that. But right now, it's not going to go back on Kalisto, right? Give Cedric Alexander a chance. If it was Buddy Murphy, if it was Mustafa Ali, I could argue it. But let's move on. I really thought WWE was going to put Ali in this match and have Jinder obviously in the U.S. title match, which I guess we can talk about next, and have them both win so that Saudi Arabians saw people who were similar to them or more similar to them. Yeah, what descent is Ali? Is he like Pakistani descent, I believe? Mustafa Ali? Uh, Mustafa? I'm not sure. I mean, I I think he was born in Chicago, legit. Right, I think think his family heritage is Family heritage, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure, but they're certainly both closer to Middle Eastern than (laughs) Cedric Alexander is. Um, but you just and, don't and, know, uh, do these countries get along? I don't want to act like I know which countries get no, along. No, no. Yeah, I don't, again, I'm not a geopolitical uh, you know, analyst or anything. I'm just, I assumed that that's the direction they were going. Um, and I do think there's a good chance that Jinder Mahal wins the United States Championship in that match. Well, let's go right to there. Uh, I don't. I don't. If, if, if Miz is going to win the IC belt and bring it back to SmackDown, then I think Miz has to win the this championship to bring it back to Raw. I don't think they're going to do that. Oh, yeah. I think ultimately this is the end of the road for Jinder's push. I really mean that. He had the WWE championship. They gave him a second chance on the U.S. title run. I'm not saying he's awful, 
But he is who he is. He's a mid-card guy. He's a good mid-card guy, but he is. This is the end of the road. They gave him one more chance. Jeff Hardy is going to end up being your transitional champion to set up an up-and-coming heel on Raw. I'm going to guess Baron Corbin, possibly, to end up having a feud and giving the title to. So I think this is the end. I think Hardy retains it. And I think we're all going to enjoy what we talked about last week is getting another run at singles Jeff Hardy, which is surprising me, and it's giving me those feels, and he's doing a great job. See, I think what's going to happen is I think the knee injury that Jeff Hardy's been selling is going to come into play. I mean, oftentimes they'll do that to give the the really str- much stronger face a reason to struggle right in the match, but ultimately win. I think Jinder can win the belt here, bring it over to Raw, and Backlash again is next week. Miz doesn't have to win in Jeddah. He can win at Backlash. He gets his rematch sure. against Seth Rollins, win that match, and there's one week where all three where both title both mid card titles are on Raw. Then Miz brings it back uh, to SmackDown the following week, and you just swap the titles. I like the idea of having the Intercontinental title on SmackDown because, as we've noted, the male singles performers on that show, which was a major deficit three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. is now a major strength, and they need quality titles to defend. And I loved Sunil Singh in a mask on SmackDown, so that's brand jumping and brand jumping can be an issue if it's too much but now that we're having joint pay-per-views that felt really cool to see a raw performer running on smackdown to injure a guy to set up their future match look we don't really know what the future is going to be like the the backlash will begin to tell us what the future of wwe pay-per-views this year will be i think you can regularly have feuds with people on opposite brands and that's exactly how you do it without getting too you know don't go over the top but i think it can work i think you can too one a show or two a show is fine what I don't want to happen, and this is what happened at the tail end of the last brand split, which I have not watched yet, but I've come to understand it, is they had these like raw super shows where all the SmackDown performers also worked Monday night and then they worked Tuesday and Tuesday became a highlight show for Monday. I don't, we're not going in that direction based on how strong these brands are separately, but I'm okay with a little bit of crossover on these big pay-per-views and I'm okay with titles ch- changing brands during the middle of the year as long as there's some balance. I don't really have a problem with it. Let's move on to this Raw Tag Team Championship match, vacant title. And this is, again, a crossover match. We're, we're going to have a lot of these for the next two weeks. Mad Hardy and Bray Wyatt against The Bar. You know I wish these titles were never vacated in the first place, BC. Go ahead, give me your pick here. Um, the Bar's moving to SmackDown. There's absolutely no, like, this is not, this isn't just uh, what you would call, like, like predictable booking. <laughs> like this isn't just like setting us up for a swerve. This is just poor planning. This is all it is. It's poor planning. What can make this feel good though, is the fact that we want to see the belts on Wyatt and, and, uh, and Hardy together. So that's fine. If that's where it goes, but that's what has to where it goes. The bar is going to SmackDown. Are we not understanding this? That's let's move on. Yeah. Well, I thought that last year at pay backlash, whichever event it was, and they had to make the special stipulation where, if Chris Jericho won the title and went with him back to SmackDown, I think there's an opportunity for the bar to win, stay on Raw, and a different tag team goes over to SmackDown. They do some type of trade. So, but if if they do, uh, that's horrible because we like we we love the bar. We are the bar, but the bar is wrestling Seth Rollins 52 weeks a year on Raw. We got to get away from that, all right? We got to get the away. Bar from bad. That. The bar badly needed a change of scenery, but I also think New Day needed a change of scenery back to Raw. They stayed. It's strange, but I do think ultimately, yeah. Hardy and White, it would make the most sense for them to win. We also have the Smack Team, Smack Team, SmackDown Tag Team Championship. That's a long name for a title, by the way. Bludgeon Brothers newly winning the title at WrestleMania, defending it against the team they beat as part of the triple threat, the Usos. Yeah, I, I like that what we're going to see. I like, I'm interested to see what the booking will be because it had been squash all the way 
until even this past Tuesday when that singles match, when you finally saw one of the Uso brothers get a little offense in. Will that continue? I, I think it could. I think we could see a squash continue. Not a full squash match. The Usos will have their moments, but I could see the Bludgeon Brothers coming out of here with the belts because I think it's their time. It's time to find out what you have in these guys. The Usos just had a couple long reigns in that great feud with the New Day. Let, let, let's see what they can do with it. I think the way they've been preparing this story is great with Naomi there, but I think the ending will be better if it's in heartbreak. That's just my two cents. Yeah, they probably retain. I just There's a lot of tag teams on SmackDown, but I don't see naturally how they work them all into the picture without it being Bludgeon Brothers New Day, Bludgeon Brothers Bar. You know, like, I, I don't fully understand what their plans are, but I, think, I don't think you have the Bludgeon Brothers win at WrestleMania to drop the titles in Jeddah back to the Usos based on the booking that they've done. It doesn't make much sense. 50-man Royal Rumble BC. I'm going to read some of the names that are in, that are in this match. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio Jr., The Great Khali, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, KO, Sammy. And there's a ton more that have already been announced. Yet, despite all of that, they've only announced half the names for the match. So to me, BC, that means surprises. Um, that means NXT guys. And that means potentially some of the guys wrestling in other matches earlier in the show or even later in the show, depending where they position it, are going to be part of this match. I'm going to go first on this one. I think Braun Strowman wins. Hey, bonus DM slide to your topic from Adam X. Parsons, who basically said, do you think there will be a significant surprise in terms of the entrance to the Royal Rumble or just scrap the barrel for talent? I tend to side with Adam X's latter point. I don't think we're going to see big reveals. We're, we got Shane McMahon, Jericho, you know, the great Kali, Mark Henry. I think it's pretty much going to stop there and it's going to be Joe Bear City and there's going to be a lot of quick eliminations because I'm going to get to who I think it wins in a second, but I think that this match has the potential to really drag. It's a 50-man Royal Rumble. I mean, <laughs> are you going to have a two-hour match? I, I, you know, no one's going to like that. You know, I love the 2011 40-man Rumble because I've watched it with my kids a bunch of times, but even that drags, I'll be honest with you. Like, it's a one-time great fun event. There's a reason they went back down to 30. This 50 is going to have pocket it has to have pockets where five guys get eliminated in, in 10 seconds right like you're gonna have to have that and to have that you need a lot of jobbers I don't really think you need to break more glass in case of emergency and bring in a Hulk Hogan or anyone else right I mean you got stars galore committed to this thing okay so about the finish I think it comes down to two guys it's either Daniel Bryan or Braun Strowman those are the yep. two they have the best odds in terms of any of the uh, odds makers that came out with that and there's a reason look you're not going to put a title on either one right now. So it's a great chance to give them, even though there's nothing at stake in this Battle Royal outside of a Royal Rumble, outside of a trophy, at least it shows to the winner, and if it's Braun, it makes more sense, that you just outlasted 50 guys. Like, you don't actually need a belt. And anything, any belt for Braun that's not the Universal Championship is a step back. That's why the tag belt was on him for 10 seconds, right? It, it, it's a step back. So this is a way to, every time he has a match from now forward, go, hey, the you know 50-man Royal Rumble, greatest Royal Rumble winner, Braun Strowman. That makes sense. The only deviation I really think is Daniel Bryan because if, let me say it like this. If Vince really understands what he has in Daniel Bryan right now and says to himself, my big three moving forward are Roman, AJ and Daniel Bryan in terms of marketing. Like, yeah, Cena's going to come in and out. Brock's going to going to come in and out. But I'm going to I'm not going to make the mistakes of the past with Daniel Bryan. Then he wins this match on Friday. If you see Daniel Bryan winning this match, you know that Daniel Bryan's got a WWE Championship run in his future, and we may see Roman versus Daniel Bryan at next year's Mania main event. I'm telling you right now. Well, Bryan should have that run regardless. I mean, whether it's this year or next year it doesn't really matter. 
Um, I, I agree with you that a you get the massive crowd pop, which I think they're going for in almost every match or as often as they possibly can. You're going to see either faces or people who they think will get cheered by the crowd win matches. In this particular case, you're calling it the greatest Royal Rumble. You have a ton of big dudes in this match, even though it looks like Big Show will not be there. Um, I thought he was I announced. They they took his name off the list uh, today when they added uh, KO Sammy and, and the Great Khali. Um, I think because of the way the match is termed and the importance of it and what it would mean to someone like Strowman, I think you ha probably have to have him win. You want that guy standing in the ring, holding the trophy, larger than life moment. Daniel Bryan, Bryan winning would be awesome. And it, would, it wouldn't really correct the, what was it? The battle Royal, the, the Royal Rumble that he got thrown out, you know, when he returned and that whole situation. Um, I wouldn't correct that by any means, but I think you have to go with Strowman, even though the moment with Brian, I totally agree, would be bigger and better. That's about it. Yeah, uh, that, that, I don't know where this is going to fall in, and the match will be the main event. We're not really sure. It's going to be interesting. I mean, look, this this has this this specific match has really. I don't think there's any middle ground. I think it's either going to be so good that we are going to be willing to bastardize our future and have two Royal Rumbles in one year and have ten years of this match, or it's going to be it's going to be a problem. We're going to be like, wow, that was that was a glorified house show waste I, of our time. So we'll see. I, I don't I don't believe they're going to have this event every year. Yeah, they signed a 10-year deal. We'll see. No, no, but I don't think it's going to be the greatest Royal Rumble every year. I think that was this year's event. I think they will learn a lot of lessons coming out of it. And with 50 men, as you mentioned already, I think you have to do 30-second intervals. I don't think you have a choice. Yeah, well, that's going to be a sloppy end rate. Maybe they should just maybe they should go back to that WW, WCW thing we did for pay-per-view rewind with the three ring the rings on top of each other in the cage match. I think that's <laughs> the only way you're going to fit that many people in. All right, Interne Intercontinental Championship ladder match. This is our WrestleMania match, just adding Samoa Joe to Seth Rollins, The Miz, and Finn Balor. And look, I don't think The Miz is coming out with the belt. I also don't think Joe is taking this belt to SmackDown either. So I think it's either Rollins retains or Balor wins, and I think you can really make an argument for both. Balor could, he hasn't won a title since he lost the universe, the first universal championship match in the 2016 SummerSlam. So you either no, no. Give, he didn't lose that match. He won the match, then gave up the title. True. Sorry. Sorry. He, he hasn't held the belt since giving it up the next day. Or you keep it on Rollins and you start a feud between them because they've really been getting Bailey Sasha Banks booking where they're like friends and enemies every other week, but not a real commitment in either direction. I think we're going to win out. I think this is the match that could steal the show from an in-ring product. And I think that the Rollins-Balor feud that spins out is going to be incredible. Rollins stomped him out cold and then Balor became a bigger baby face. Like it, that didn't make that booking made no sense. I agree with you though, that it's going to be Rollins or Balor winning. Miz is going to get that rematch at Backlash. So whoever it is, they might repeat the WrestleMania match at Backlash. If Balor wins, they do a triple threat again. Maybe those two do start a feud. Miz takes the title, you know, figures out a way to take the title out of that match. Ultimately, I don't think the title changes hands. It doesn't, there's not a really good reason. Joe's not going to win. Big guys have won ladder matches before, but generally do not. Um, that disqualifies him. I think either of the, any of the other three could, but yeah, ultimately I do think Rollins retains. Uh, let's move on. Undertaker versus Rusev in a casket match that really has no build other than Rusev leaving the match because storyline Lana didn't want him involved. 
And now Rusev's back in the match after Chris Jericho was in it for about three days. If this is a, if this is not a, uh, if this is a work, and if this is nothing real, like Rusev really thinking he was getting, you know, the wrong kind of push and fighting to get out of it, and then he's back in. If this is an actual story, then it could be fun if Lana's ringside, right? I mean, you could. There's some elements that could play in. Lana's not going to be ringside. That's a good point. It is Jetta. So I think we're set up to fail here. We're set up to get The Undertaker to get the same pop he just got at WrestleMania. The goodbye, you, you've you cleaned up your resume from that awful Reigns match. And, I mean, look, Taker doesn't lose casket matches since the 90s. I looked at his record. He hasn't been in one in 10 years. He All the big runs he had in the 2000s, he won all those casket matches for the most part. In the 90s is when he was dropping a few. He's not dropping a Rusev right here. Look, we love Rusev because he's so damn over. WWE is willing to take advantage of that to get to sell merch. They're not willing to take advantage of that to give him a push. What else are you going to say about this match? It's going to be bad and sloppy. And So I, I was initially against it because I was like, oh, they're literally going to bury Rusev. Like, what are they doing? But that was probably the wrong perspective to have. The right perspective should have been WWE is putting Rusev in a match with The Undertaker on a card that they see to be important. And yeah. I didn't really think of it. I didn't really think of it from that perspective. Now he's losing this match. There's no question about it. And it's going to be short. There's no question about it. My biggest issue is they had no reason to make this a casket match. The casket match is a blow off to a feud. This is not a feud. Yeah, this is they haven't money. spoken to each other. There's been no storyline development between them. It makes zero sense why the match is happening even less sense that it's a casket match. But I'm curious to see what they do. And if it is a squash, or if they actually allow Rusev to get in some offense, even if it's only for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I just want it to be over with. I, You know, the, I, I thought the um, the ultimate thrill ride would be his last ride, and I really hoped it was. And maybe <laughs> this is just my anti-Mark Calloway side coming out, but let's move on. By the way, I think he retires WrestleMania next year. I think he is oh, a couple. Done. I think he, I think he wrestles at SummerSlam. Unless I hear the chopper, right? And Kid Rock, I'll give him I'll give him five minutes of my time. Unless that, I'm done. I'm done. All right, uh, John Cena, Triple H. I, I mean, so the the storyline on this match, which they did a terrible job building, is these guys haven't fought in ten years. The last time they did it was really good, and that's it. <laughs> are you interested? Are you interested in this match? No, this this is this is the kind of match that that really makes me believe it's going to be a house show. And ultimately, look, Cena just did a really huge job. I don't think he's going to do two in a row necessarily, but at the same time, like honestly, it doesn't matter. Who cares? These like th this is to pop the Saudi crowd. They, they're showing you that storyline. This doesn't matter. Trips hasn't even mentioned it. So why should we? So don't forget, Triple H just did a job. You know, Good to Ronda point. Rousey. Good point. Um. I think Triple H wins this match because I like, but what, like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, because they're continuing. It, it seems like they're continuing the angle of John Cena being completely unable to beat anyone of any significance. And if they are going to keep doing that, which I am behind, totally behind it, then that is building up to that 17th title win potentially at Wrestle next year's WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something. So I like the angle. I want him to lose these big matches and really kind of start from the bottom and work his way all the way back up to that title picture, and you can't have that happen if he beats Triple H and Jetta. Hey, I like I like your long-term booking, but I, I don't think they're thinking that. But the, the one match that I actually do care about is this WWE Championship Styles, Nakamura, the rematch from Mania. Look, uh, I wonder what type of match this will be because the first yeah. one was strong style, and like we talked about ad nauseum, it didn't live up to the giant expectations. But it set us up for this Nakamura heel turn, and it's been so damn good. 
And look, I'm really confident in saying he's going to win this championship, and he should because the money's in the chase from the babyface, and there's no better babyface than AJ. Nakamura is so perfect. Give him the belt. I think that's almost guaranteed here. I, what I want to see is, are they going to actually give us a classic? Are they going to take the chance, and now let's wrestle on AJ's terms, and maybe we'll get a five-star match out of this. Now, maybe it depends how long this feud's going to be because maybe they have a big blow-off plan, like at Money in the Bank to headline it or something. Like, who knows? But I really want to see a great match here. I think we have that chance. This is something where I fully believe WWE bastardized its WrestleMania booking for this match and for the main event, the Universal Championship match. I fully believe that Nakamura and Styles were ready to put on a different type of match on that show or at least had planned to until WWE said, this is the direction we're going. We're going to turn Nakamura heel. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. Now, that's not to say I didn't like it. When I re-watched WrestleMania, which I just did over the last weekend, the whole show, I had never seen it on TV. Obviously, we were there. This match was way better than it looked live. I fully enjoyed it. I was entertained throughout. There was a lot of mat wrestling, which is why it seemed slow and the crowd wasn't really into it. These two put on a great match. I think this is going to be another strong style match. I 1,000% agree with you. Shinsuke Nakamura needs to win the, the title, WWE title, at this event. The only thing I hate about it, again... Oh, hey, we here might we go two, with the hate. Here we go with no, the no, hate. No, no, we might have two world title changes in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> on a Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Outside of that... Drink it I, in, man. Oh, wait, don't drink it in. You can't drink Don't there. drink it in, as Jericho said. Uh, I do like the idea. I like the booking. I think Nakamura definitely needs to go over and win the title here. All right, I think the same thing can be said for this main event. Universal Championship, potentially the main event. In a steel cage, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. We were 99.999% sure that Lesnar was going to lose at Mania. I don't think they have two swerves in them, Adam. I don't. I don't think. I think they showed you Monday night to open Raw in a horrifically bad segment that did nothing to further the storyline. Uh, Paul Heyman was great. Brock's facial expressions were great. Roman coming out and saying nothing and just staring him down was awful. It showed me. This is a money grab. They have nothing left in their in their satchel in terms of great swerves coming. Roman Reigns is going to get the babyface pop that Vince has always wanted for him, and it only took a plane ride halfway around the world to get it, right? Like, I know I'm not saying anything that's revolutionary here. They don't have a second swerve. They can't. I love the first one. They got so, me. They don't have a second one. Yeah, you're once again nailing this. Um, the swerve would not, or the quote-unquote swerve, if they did it again, will now not catch anyone off guard. Everyone is going into this match saying, Roman Reigns should win, should get the major face pop, but I'm prepared for that not to happen. Whereas at WrestleMania, no one was prepared for that not to happen. A every single person watching WrestleMania said, Roman Reigns is 99.9% .9 going over in this match. Now, a lot of people feel that way now. I definitely do. I think it, more than anything else, it's a missed opportunity to not put the title on Roman Reigns and Jeddah because you have the ability to get those face cheers. They are not going to boo him in Saudi Arabia. So if they don't do it and they try to swerve us again, it's to their detriment in this particular case. <laughs> uh, part of me, the spoiler in me, does want to see them try. Like, what do you got for us? Well, how are you going to, how is Lesnar going to exit with that belt? What do you actually have? No, they're going to do it. And, but, and the one weird thing, though, is the cage gives the chance that Lesnar doesn't have to get pinned. You know, if they want to protect which is, him, which I which I don't like. I don't like, I don't that, like that, that at all. I don't like that at all. We waited. You know, we we sat through a year of this build. Let's see an actual pin. Let's. If you think Roman's better and he's your bigger star, then actually show us that. Don't let Roman sneak out the back door. There are things you can do, like if there is a door, you know, the steel cage matches that they put on 
all the time they have different rules. Sometimes they're only over the top pinfall submission. Sometimes the door gets involved. I wouldn't mind a scenario where Heyman like gets involved with the door, gets knocked off, you know, Brock gets distracted, and then Roman pins him. But Roman needs to pin Brock Lesnar. He can't escape the cage and have this continue and him win the title. It doesn't make sense. But what I do want and what I thought they should have done Monday night, you were right, by the way. We didn't get to discuss it, although you just did a little bit. That segment was horrible, which is saying something because Heyman was amazing and Brock Lesnar. That was the best thing Brock Lesnar has done non-verbally in WWE in a long time. The goosebumps on the arm, the facial expression to Reigns. But what Reigns need, you got to do something with Reigns. Reigns should have come in and done something unexpected, thrown the mic directly at Brock Lesnar, slapped him across the face, do something that's makes you think, oh, there's some other layer to Roman Reigns' character. Instead, it's one layer Roman Reigns. You're getting what you're getting, and they're, they're just not developing this guy. And I really hope he wins the title. And everyone says this. They all want Roman Reigns to turn heel. But I think having Reigns win the title and get cheered there and come back to America and get booed Monday night on Raw and him, him cutting a promo against the crowd would be it would do wonders for his character. Wow, you sound like John Cena there yelling, do something. I like that. Hey, that is your Jetta preview the greatest Royal Rumble. Let's get back into the remaining sound we have left from a great time talking to WWE superstars at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, also at the Hall of Fame red carpet. We've got coming at you Samoa Joe, New Day, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Mojo, Kurt Angle, Jack Gallagher, some good stuff coming. Enjoy. Samoa Joe sits down with us. Joe, sometimes I feel like if it wasn't for bad luck, well, I mean, what's going on here with... with we have you on our podcast just a couple months ago. You get injured that same day. I was feeling it for you, bro. Yeah, you're pretty much an albatross. And I really <laughs> At this point, don't that. talk to us. Get away from yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, this is bad. I told them I did not want to be here, and here I am. <laughs> oh, boy. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Feeling really good. Uh, obviously, recovery's gone very, very well, and uh, we're uh, feeling good this weekend, so uh, see what happens. So, so you're feeling good this weekend. Plug you in. Plug you Put me in, Coach. Put me on this damn card. Well, you know, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, talent can be a little bit overloaded. So uh, we'll see. Maybe I have to plug myself in. Maybe just have to add yourself to the equation. I like that. I like that. That's yeah, Samoa Joe's style. That's because he's happened the before. real, believable badass. Now, we terrible like paperwork. In, we like you in suits, Samoa Joe. We love the way that you debuted on the main roster on Raw mm-hmm. as a true muscle for Triple H and the Authority that time. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that your vibe, too? If you're on screen, you want to look like a professional hitman? Uh, No, because, you know, there's no such things as professional hitmen. I mean, let's be honest here. It's... Yeah, that's that's a urban myth that people say, and you know, I just dress a certain way because uh, I think suits look nice. I like to be well dressed, and occasionally, if cops come to question me, I notice that they're just a little bit more nicer if I look well and I don't look like I haven't stomped somebody out in the back alley. That's it. There you go. There You've you go. wrestled everywhere in the world, variety of different promotions. Was WWE? Because some people, it's not. Was WWE always a dream for you, or? Was it something that you said, if it comes in my career, fantastic, but I don't need it to define me as a performer, as a professional wrestler? Uh, I would not, I don't think I would look at it in that contrary type of point of view. And I know a lot of guys who aren't here do, and, I, and I've definitely been on that side. And, and I think that more has to do with them validating what they're doing than them trying to disparage being here or saying this is not their dream to be here. Uh, and, and honestly, you have to make those adjustments as you go along in life and do your, I mean, cause you got to keep your head on straight. You got to real, you know, you got to find satisfaction what you're doing. So it's funny. I see a lot of young guys now like, Oh, that's not my dream. That's not this, not that. And then, you know, after they've been in the industry for a few years and they do finally get here, they're just like, 
Uh, actually, yeah, it was my dream to be here. You well, know, so. well, that that's exactly my point. That's kind of where I was going. Yeah. It's, if if you're talking to the independent wrestlers of the world, mm-hmm. and let's say they actually believe that, or, or that's their mindset right now, what have you experienced in WWE that would say, no, you got it all wrong, potentially? Uh, the incredible amount of money they paid me. That would be the biggest factor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, they really are good with the paychecks here. Uh, no, that, I, I think I think here. I think here's the biggest thing is that, and I think fans sometimes wonder why certain aspirations and things change with guys. Is that you know wrestlers, you know, when you start following them when they're young and they're on the independents are breaking in. Hey, they're they're young and they're on the independents are breaking in. They have very very different priorities in life. And then as you know, as anybody does, as they as they grow and they and they go along in life, they have different priorities. And, you know, you have different needs and wants and, and definitely financial uh, obligations that come about. So, you know, I tell guys, you know, be where you want to be. And uh, if you want to be here, then, you know, you're going to work out. You're going to be here. And if you don't, then don't waste your time. And would you say part of that also comes into getting hurt, rehabbing? I know you're close with Daniel Bryan. Obviously, you've seen how careful WWE has treated his re- you know, re- recovery mm-hmm. and potential, even though, you know, they obviously didn't clear him for a number of years. But... Is that something along with it as well? Because he can go anywhere else, could have gone anywhere else, and probably wrestled. Mm-hmm. But WWE was so careful, you know, protecting him as a human being, not just. I think that was the biggest thing. I mean, uh, when you, I, one of the things that when you're on the road with the company for as much as we are during the year, um, you know, there this this becomes the second home. You know, that you spend so much time with these people, and obviously, you know, Dan, Daniel is a, is a well loved and liked person around around the company and, and around the industry. And, uh, you know, it was a long process to get him to where he is today. But uh, if it was a necessary process, I very much understand. I mean, obviously, uh, we want to take care of his long-term well-being. But, uh, and I've said this before, you know, knowing knowing him and knowing the diligence that he pays to everything that he does and knowing the fight that he's gone through to get back into the ring, uh, I'm confident that he's ready to go. So, Mojo, what do you mark out for in WrestleMania history? What's your go-to match? I'm a Savage Steamboat fan myself. I think that's kind of the default, you know, and, and, and with good reason. Um, you know, I, I think I think Rock and Austin was, was something special. Uh, you know, any any of the big marquee matches, I, you know, and really, that's that's what I look at when I when I look at matches that I really appreciate in WrestleMania is ones that you know the lead up to the match was was beyond phenomenal. The crowds there, and uh, you know, it, there is an electricity in the air when it's right, and uh, you know, those big time matches are where you feel that electricity. I don't assume that you care about the same things of the, uh, you know, the five-star match and that sort of thing that these fans and journalists and us, like on this side of the table, like did all pop for. That, well, that's the best match we've seen in three years right there. But is there somebody on this roster that you're thinking in the back of your head, I could make that best match that anybody's ever seen in three years with. I could make a WrestleMania moment that's going to be on the level. I, of the I don't think there's anybody in the roster that I couldn't do that with, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a generalized answer, but that's the truth. And, and I think the other thing, too, is, you know, when you look at matches like that, uh, it's funny. I, you know, you get guys who are critical of the, the five-star system or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, I, I like it. I think it's good. I think even with myself, it gives a lot of young guys who don't have exposure. It, it puts them on a radar with a lot of fans, and, and, and it helps them along. So, uh, you know, uh, it's funny. Uh, it's a, it's a, we, we're in a very egotistical industry, and, uh, you know, we it's some, sometimes we hear somebody's doing good. Other guys will be like, ah, oh, right, you know, I'm mad about it. But, you know, I've, I've benefited from uh, that that underground uh uh fan base that you know hardcore fan base that you know will, no and, and and expanded into a mainstream fan base now but at the same time I always paid credence to it because you know i had to take a different route to get around what i popped for most over the last year was the off mic 
confrontation with Paul Heyman mm-hmm. on Monday Night Raw. Like, can you take us through the formation of that segment, how it was decided that's or how you decided that's what you were going to do, and how it came about? Because the entire feud with Brock Lesnar was fantastic. It's unique, you know, competing against someone like Brock. Um, you don't get to necessarily do that every day, but the involvement of Paul in that and the way you handled him, a lot of people don't treat him that way either. Uh, and it's hard to because Paul is such an effective orator that, you know, he can uh, talk his way most out of anything. Uh, I, I, th- I think the, the whole genesis of that, of, of, of that was just, uh, you know, kind of going into uh, understanding the real terrifying things out there and uh, understanding how... Uh, real terrifying threats go down and uh you know i'm a big proponent of uh if you're going to say something make sure it has impact and make sure uh you've uh set the frame to where it's as effective message as possible and uh it was a pretty effective message to paul <laughs> no doubt about it well joe thanks so much for your time it's been great thanks, guys. with you we want to see you back out there oh, I'll, you I'll, back. Be around. I'll be around i'll be You've got such a, a cool career. We talk about Hall of Famers' careers and things that define them where you could almost go in the Hall of Fame for a couple different reasons with a couple different factions if you ended up there. Huh? I, some people say that, yeah. I'm not really, I don't, I'm not the type of guy that likes to say, oh, I did this or that, but it's nice when I hear other people say it, so thank you. When you talk about defining moments of a career, we just had a 25th anniversary of Raw where you're seeing a lot of footage again of your fa- famous match with, yeah. with, with, with Razor Ramon. What did that match do for your career? Oh, it set me, like... You know, I was already, my career was already going pretty good. It was on a pretty good trajectory. And, uh, and then so obviously that just, just what a, what a rocket that was up, up my butt. <laughs> what do you remember most about that night? Um, I remember being all gung ho and excited to get this done and Scott coming and Razor coming in on a red eye from, from the West Coast and being dead tired and like, you know, calm down, man. We just got off the plane. But, uh, it, just the, the the reaction of the crowd, yeah, it was just the way they just were. They were so shocked. Do you like the identity that match has? It was almost the greatest upset in pro wrestling to many people. I'm just fine with that. I'm not going to argue with anyone. <laughs> and to close, when you, we talked about the identification, you, you you were such landmark moments with different factions. Yeah. Which one do you identify with the most? Uh, X Pac. Yeah, because I mean that was the you know the the last one that you know. That people remember me as, and I still, I still go by it. So, and I, I made a lot of money. Well, that's what this business is all about, right? Well, I mean, not just the money, honestly, because like the money could come or go, man. But like all the memories and the experiences, and uh, and the peep, the bonds and and all that that we make. That's why I'm so happy to be here tonight and see Jeff Jarrett inducted, because I, you know, long history with him. You look great. Thanks so much Thank for everything. You. Great to see you here on Thanks. the. Hall of Fame red carpet. Everybody works their career for a WrestleMania moment. You've had so many moments that are outside the walls of WrestleMania, but just within that, what's your personal WrestleMania moment? My, my favorite WrestleMania moment? I think maybe the first one, even though I was just involved for like a short time in the Shawn Michaels uh, Razor Ramon ladder match, but just you know, to be a part of, uh, you know, to be, I mean, this is our Super Bowl. So, I mean, just to make it to the Super Bowl in any form or fashion is. Is big and I was it was the Madison Square Garden, so it was kind of the mecca, and it was our our our, our, you know, our backyard at the time. So um, no, but it, you know, what this, this this thing has grown to is just you know it's just, it's just mind-boggling. When you're part of a match like that, do you know it's going to be an all-timer? Do you know this is something we're we'll going to be talking about to this day? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that those two. I mean, because I was on the road to say, you know, they worked probably 60 of them in, in different degrees, but I knew that they were going to take, you know, they were going with the 18 foot ladders and taking, you know, taking the stops out. And, you know, so, yeah, I was. I was glad. I was. I was so glad that we put a spot together that I, I was taken out early because I, I wanted to watch it from the monitor. You know, I wanted. To, I wanted to sit back and watch that match as a fan. So uh, I feel blessed to be a part of that match because I think it's probably one of the top five of all time in, in WrestleMania history. You're a Hall of Famer. A lot of guys going in. There's something to, to define their legacy. When I look at you, I say favored nations. Come on, that, that's a game changer. Favored nations. I. I, I think that uh, I might be the Jimmy Hoffa of, of pro wrestling. I'm just not going to go to the Red Fox and have dinner. <laughs> Thanks so much. Great to talk to you again with CBS Sports. Kurt, people live their career to try to make one WrestleMania moment. You've got a, you've got a handful. So when you point to one match, which one means the most to you? They're all special in their own way. It's hard to just pick out one. Um, probably Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania 21. And the only reason is because that was the first time Shawn and I ever locked up. Uh, to have a match that magical with a guy that you've never been in the ring with before, uh, it was incredible. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to take out the Eddie Guerrero match or the Brock Lesnar match or my triple threat with Orton and Mysterio. I mean, Benoit match, and uh, there are a lot of great ones. So uh, I'm just grateful that I was able to be a part of this company and uh, do what I did. I mean, this is the mecca of them all, WrestleMania, and this is where you want to perform in front of the whole world and show what you got. And I, I was able to do that. What do you remember about building that Sean match, sitting down with him, trying to make, do you try to make it a five-star classic? How, what's that like? Uh, Sean was a little different. Um, you know, usually we, we work all week long on what we want to do and how we want to do it. Sean didn't want to do that. He wanted just to get to know me better as a person. Uh, I was very surprised. Uh, so when I literally tell you we didn't lock up before that, that match, we didn't lock up before that match. Uh, did we have things planned? Yeah, but we, we talked very little about it. And I, that's why I was so surprised at the outcome of the match. Who calls that match? Uh, we both did. I mean, it was, it was one of those matches where uh, we, we were on the same wavelength. I mean, we, we, were, we were like, a, a, you, know, a, you know, he was the violin, I was the piano, and we were working in tune together. So it was great. Finally, WWE Universe has loved having you back, Kurt. Love having you on the microphone. They love the way you say WWE. I can't say it. I know. <laughs> we hear it here. We love that. WWE. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Kurt, love seeing you. Thanks so much, buddy. Bye. All right, Playboy. What's up, buddy? My man. CBS Sports with Mojo Raleigh. There it is, brother. Hey, good guy or bad guy? Nobody rocks a Zubaz like you, all right? Can't do it. It's impossible. The first ever Zuba's David Allen suits. This is suit number five, by the way. We've had others. Now this one, this one, I think we're coming in strong today. The pink one was really good too, but I'm liking how I'm feeling right now. I've followed you on social media for a, for a long time. I know how you stay hyped. What's the <laughs> secret to staying hype in 2018? Hey man, just keeping your eye on the prize, man. Seeing all of this, you know, being a part of all this. How do you not stay hyped 24 seven, you know? The opportunity that's in front of you, you know, just, Working hard every moment of every day, making the most of life, and trying to take advantage of every opportunity. That's it. A new door opened in your career with the breaking apart of the hype bros, turning on Zack Ryder, and seeing a different side of Mojo. How much is. fun has that been for you? Oh, man, it's been the most fun of my career. I'm on the best ride ever right now. And just, uh, you know, working hard to keep it moving and uh, just having a lot of fun. It's good to, good to be out of the hype, bros, I'll tell you that. Bring it on, brother. Bring it on. Bring everything on. How embarrassing is Zack Ryder's uh, toy collection for a grown man? Let's be honest here. 
um, yeah, we need to, someone needs, I'm not having that talk with him anymore because we've already had that talk enough, but I think he needs to start spending his money on something else, maybe a 401k or something to that extent. Yeah, just anything but that. It's too much. You lose one partner. We know you're friends with the, with the great Gronk. Are we going to get him in here? What's the status hey, on that? Man, Robbie G's got a lot going on right now, a lot on his plate. He's just weighing all of his uh, opportunities, and he has a lot of decisions to make right now. So I'm going to go ahead and leave that to him. It was fun having him here for WrestleMania last year. That was insane. We had a, a great time celebrating afterwards, too, I can tell you that. Uh, but yeah, man, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure it's a matter of time before he shows up at some point. How would you hype his character? Would you put some Zubaz on it? Would you give him a, so, some wrinkles or just let him be, let him be Gronk? Hey, man, Robbie G rocks the Zubas. Robbie G will rock the Zubas, I'm telling you. So what he wants to show up in in the ring, I don't know. I guess time will tell on that one. But, yeah, I know in our personal life we go out part and we got the Zubas on. That's what we do. Go hard or go home. Right? That's right, bro. What else will we be doing? Great talking to you, buddy. My man, you too, dude. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. Gentleman Jack Gallagher walking in on us on CBSSports.com. What is the secret to being a true gentleman in, in, the, in the genre of pro wrestling? The genre of pro wrestling is to always abide by the rules, even if it means bending them every now and again, because it is a competition after all, and always composing yourself in the best way possible and making sure that everything's custom fit, including the tights. Speaking of custom fit, you were able to pull off working consistently in a suit. How difficult is that? Uh, not too difficult when you live and breathe your life in a suit. It's all right to transition it into uh, attire to, for combative purposes. I, I do prefer the uh, mobility of tights now, so I've, I've moved back. It was just a small period of my career, but an interesting one. I think people will remember. What's the feeling in the locker room of all the changes for 205 Live? The fans have seemed to embrace it. What about for you guys? Um, it's been very, very interesting for us because we see the slow burn and we understand that everything takes time and nothing's an overnight success and everything that people like right now took a very long time for people not liking it. So it's nice that things are starting to pay off for us. Some people build a whole career to build that, to create that one WrestleMania moment. As a fan for you, what was that for you, the moment that sticks with you, the one match, the, the something that, that when you look back just rings true with you? Oh, the one WrestleMania moment. That's the problem though, isn't it? Picking the one WrestleMania moment. I don't know if there is the one that got me to be a huge wrestling fan. I remember that my wrestling moment is um, Mick Foley winning his first ever world title. And the, him and The Rock are both out in the ring and suddenly a glass shatters and this bald, angry, drunk man ran down the stage and beat up everyone. And I thought, this is amazing. I have no idea who Steve Austin was at this moment in time. This is amazing, I have to keep watching it. I didn't have my WrestleMania moment. I have so many of those, but that's my defining wrestling moment. Who, how old is Jack Gallagher at this point? At this point, uh, Jack Gallagher is 28. No, at the point of this, of this great moment with Mick Foley. Oh, at this point, Mick Foley, it would be eight years old, maybe? Maybe seven. So the mustache was just starting to get twirled. Oh, no, no, no. It was all the way out here, you know. It was very thin, though. It needed to thicken out. Pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. Talking to you, too, sir. Have a very good night. CBS Sports with the new day here. Yes, you clean yes, up yes. very well because yes, I was seeing you this morning at, at Radio Row and thinking, these guys got a good gig. They get to wear sweats all day, wear underwear at night. I mean, but you clean up well. Mm. We try. We try. You know, yeah, yeah. You know. right. Boys. And, the, and also, you can't knock the sweats. The sweats are clean as well. They are clean. Always They're clean. clean and comfort. comfortable. Yeah. You know? COE, comfort over everything. Get you one who can do both. You know? He loves these saying that. I've been saying very no. comfortable. Yes. You know? Don't let the, uh, the try classic. Clean, try clean only, though. Yeah. Well, it's a suit, yes. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know. All right, people live their life to try to make a, a build a WrestleMania moment, a memory that, that identifies them. 
you guys had an interesting role last year where you were the host. Mm -hmm. you, you did a great job. Is that something in your career that'll, that'll, that'll stick out, be a pin, oh, pin in the timeline? 100%, because when people think back about WrestleMania, they'll say, remember that time New Day hosted WrestleMania? They can only say that about the Rock and the New Day. But honestly, if you break it down into active roster talent who's hosted WrestleMania, you can only say the New Day. Wow, Biggie is, is relaxed right now, very chill. It's hard to move in the suit. It's very hard to move in the suit, so I can't do a whole lot of yeah. whole lot of that, by the way. There's a feeling right now in wrestling that if you guys could get pancakes over, you could get anything over. So so uh, what's, the, what's the secret to this science? People love Rusev Day. They love him. They do. This guy killing our spot here. Really is. Uh, what's the secret to the science of getting things over? Uh, we just do things that are funny to us, things that yes. organically come up. A lot of times they come up in conversations in the car or things that we see on Twitter and they make us laugh and then we do them. Yeah. It's organic and if it's fun to us, we figure people will have fun doing it. We want to give a product to the people that we would want when we were in that position. So if I was watching uh, WWE when I was a kid, and I had a guy who did the stuff, I would laugh. I would enjoy him. Yes. So I'm trying to be that guy for young me today. Yes. I don't want to you, you, in the past you've called me a wedge that's been trying to drive you guys apart. Well, so I'm not going to be that guy. If the shoe, if the shoe fits. But is this a... fits. Ah. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fit ah. here. Ah. Yes. Is this a team that could go a decade, two decades together, and you'd be content that that's the face of your legacy when it's all said and done? Are you, tr you trying to have us wrestle into our 50s? Two decades. Sure. There's we, an addiction here, okay? We, we, we got a few years left. A few is not a lot. I mean, a, a handful maybe. Yeah. But 20 but, more, 20 yeah, years? We're only four you? years in, so you're talking about 16 years? What's wrong with you? I'm 32. Yeah. Come on, man. That'll be 48, not my 50s, but it's close. Yeah. Coffee over yeah. here will be firmly I'm not trying to wedge you. I'm trying to firmly. keep you together. You know? Firmly. This is NWO stuff right here, okay? You're back to be doing that in that lay, you know. Yeah, we'll you know. see. We'll see what happens. We'll but the thing happens. is, yes, we will stay friends. We will stay compadres. We will stay amigos till the end. Yeah. To the to very the end. end. To the end. To the bitter to the end. One of these days, one of you might have to get to each other's hands. It's just how, the, this, is how this business works. No, it's not. It works. Things work the way you want them to work. If I say no to something, then that's not happening because I said no. Just say no. no. Just say no. Just say no. no. If you don't want something to happen, say no. You missed you missed that message. Yeah, you know, growing up, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Do you have friends that you, you were friends with? Yeah, you had such good friendships, and you said, "Oh man, one day this has to end, and I have to punch you in the mouth." Is that, no. how, is that what you said? Yeah. I, I would have said no when they tried to remove the links, and I would have kept it. That's just my personal take. We can we can end we can end it right there. Great great talking. Great talking to the new day. Of course, he actually looks like someone who skipped a lot of school. A lot of school, right? That's sad. That's Gentlemen, sad. you look great. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. What is it that you say? The pleasure is all yours. Sco and, a, and, a, and a school on Sunday? Why? Uh -huh. No class. No class. Mm. You got no class. Mm. Work on it. Yeah. Work on it. Maybe next year. Do better. Right, right. Do better. Yeah, what, what, what is this shirt? This is it's a bowling shirt. You know what? I rock with the bowling shirt. All right. We're back. We're back. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Hey, you know, we saved a few surprises for last. There's some good stuff coming out of there from Samoa Joe to New Day. What jumped out at you? Um, you know what? Not too much. I think the Kurt Angle, uh, <laughs> he's a little upset with you about WWE. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I would have been curious to hear, to hear what he had to say if the mic wasn't in front of his face. Yeah, that's a good point. He, I, I felt bad because I felt like I had to say it. But then as soon as I saw the reaction in his face, and look, he played it off well. He put on a smile, but he had a one second reaction that was like, 
Oh, really? Really, guy? Like, I just I just played a lot. I played the game with you. I told you some good backstage nuggets about preparing for the Mania Magic and Shawn Michaels. Like, look, that's 30 seconds of gold right there. And then when I teed him up and asked him to basically give us a dub dub we, I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to give us a... WWE Champion, Jinder Bay. But instead, he was <laughs> he was angrily biting down WWE. So now I'm a jerk. Yes, I'm a jerk. But you know you were all thinking it. You know you were all thinking it. I, I said this about The Miz last week. New Day at these events, and we we've this is two years in a row now, They their energy level is like a 14. That's the role that they play for WWE at these media events. Not just the Hall of Fame, but the media day access stuff that we've done, et cetera. Just like I said with The Miz last week, I would love to interview New Day as real human beings. Like I have questions. I legitimately want to ask Kofi. I don't know. There's his real name. Unfortunately, Kofi Kingston, Biggie, these guys that I, I want answers to like about the true, you know, backstage. How did you reform this group? Are you upset that you're not getting singles pushes? So on and so forth. And with these guys, every time they do an interview, like I said, the energy levels at a 14, it just kind of always disappoints me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fun though. I hear what you're saying. It's not going to be. They're real. fun. Oh, they're, they're it's a, lot a of shtick. Fun. They were actually kind of legit annoyed with me until they saw the Bo Dallas uh, Bo Leaf shirt under my blazer there. Then they're like, "No, we pop for Bo. That's that's all good." So they they did come back around. But I hear what you're saying. It would be nice to actually get the kind of you know the stuff about being a, a giant African American act and getting a big push, you know, and that kind of stuff. Like to get real quotes from them would would be interesting. And I love Kevin Nash, by the way. I've talked to him in the past and interviewed him. Anytime I bring up favored nations, he used to pop negatively. Go, what do you what do you think you know about favored nations? You don't know anything. Now at least he's he because it's weird since his Hall of Fame induction, they are painting him as almost like this labor pioneer for WWE, the guy who forced guaranteed contracts into existence. It's funny how his narrative gets changed now that WWE owns WCW. Not that it just recently happened. It obviously didn't, but I'm saying his overall narrative of a guy who used to ne- used to use power behind the scenes to help him and his buddies is now being looked at as like the Marvin Miller of r- pro wrestling. Well, the winners write the history books. Yes, they do. No question about it. Hey, special thanks to everybody who took the time to speak with us. Really enjoyed rolling that sound out over time. Hey, now it's time to slide in those DMs, a place that we haven't been to in a while. We do know it goes down in the DM, and you do know that DM season is open. You can hit us up at Silverstein Adam, at B. Campbell CBS, or at In This Corner CBS. We start off with the the great heel D Midi seventy eight from way, Australia. By the way, it's been it's been so long. We don't even have intro music for this. I don't. I, I, I at this point, <laughs> I don't even know what button to press. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Yes, it is from D Midi seventy eight. He says, "Do you guys like the idea of these network specials, like the Greatest Royal Rumble, instead of having pay per views, or is it just a glorified house show?" He says, "Silver King seems to be quite negative on the whole idea from the get go." I think this is the point of his question, though. There's another one scheduled for Australia, where D Midi and a lot of our great listeners live in October. Adam, I think overall, I've never loved network specials. I'm not against them putting on because a lot of people do like them. So put them on the network, by the way. You got the cameras there. Put them on and people will tune in. That's great. For me, I don't like house shows. If I'm not there with my kids or I haven't been given like free tickets and I can go with a couple buddies and just kind of be a fan, I like storyline. I like serious. You know, I'm not into that necessarily. And this goes back to our greatest Royal Rumble preview. If this ends up being a house show, I'm not going to sit here and complain. I'm just not going to. It's just not my thing. So he, I actually included this, by the way, question in here, despite my feelings on D-Midi. I thought it was a really good question. Um, but you did get my opinion wrong 
I have not been against this concept of the show at all. I don't mind that they're doing a show in the Middle East. I don't care that it's a Beast in the East style, non-pay-per-view type show. I'm all for that. I enjoyed Beast in the East. I enjoy these shows. So I'm all for it. What I didn't like, which we already talked about, I'm not going to get back into, was all the political stuff, the social issues, you know, the bastardization of, of WrestleMania plans, so on and so forth. That's what I didn't like. It was all, I don't want to call it superficial, but the exterior of it is what I did not like. Um, I think WWE has made a major misstep not using their network for more things in this type of vein. It was ridiculous that Starcade was not on the network. I think every MSG house show, although I guess there's taping and union issues, which is why they don't air those. It would be nice if those major house shows, if Brock Lesnar's fighting Kane, you know, put those on the network or at least put a couple on the network. You have this platform, you tape every single show that you, that everything that happens in WWE gets taped, right? I don't think it's that much more difficult to put a stream together on the network when you have the capability and you can really do it at any time. So for that reason, I'm excited for the greatest Royal Rumble. I'm, you know, the match card is ridiculous. There's seven titles and the, a 50 man Royal Rumble on it. You know, John Cena and Triple H, Undertaker and Rusev, I'm ready for this show. And I'm excited that they're going to potentially do one in Australia in October. But what they got to do is they can't book these so close to pay-per-views and they have to figure out a way to do them that doesn't bastardize the storyline that they're doing on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, as long got, as they can do that, separate. I'm all for it. It's got to be separate. If they're going to do this, then you can mention it on air, but don't get the, you can't have a storyline. It's a house show then in the end. Let, let, let's leave it at that. All right, let's run right. through these rapid fire from Jared Wetzel at Good Luck Jew. I don't know. Is that an offensive name, Adam? Good luck, Jew. No, not if he's calling himself it. All right, all right. He wants to know, what is our main event? Great question. What is our main event for NXT TakeOver Chicago 2? When is that card? Is that? That's that's going to be the Money in the Bank TakeOver, which is in a couple months. Hey, great question. That is the next TakeOver. Where do we think NXT is headed? What do you think? So main event is probably going to have to be the NXT title, because I think even if you ran back Organo Ciampa, which I feel like they should save until Brooklyn. Um, but although did that, did he turn on him in Chicago? Where yes, did that happen? Yes, he did. All right. So maybe you need to run that back as, as the main event in the Chicago street fight or something to that effect. Well, although that's very just, repetitive. So I want to see I a real match. Yeah. I want to see a real match. I almost I know. I see... don't know. I, I don't have a good answer to it. I don't, I, um, I think you probably have to have Aleister Black. Right. And maybe Cole drops. I mean, Cole would have to drop the t- NXT North American title at a taping. Um, for him to be in the match, but that would be a great match. Cole, uh, Alistair Black. Oh yeah, definitely. My my guess, my answers, my answer would have been this: have Gargano go right back to the title level. We just saw him put on a classic with Almas. Let him do the same with Black. It's marketable. It's great. Or do or basically say this: look, have Gargano, Ciampa, and Black in a triple threat. It kind of it kind of encompasses eh. everything you need with it. I don't know. It, it, it's interesting, but it's got to be. The, I think the title's got to be on the line. Is ultimately my greatest point. The title. Oh, the the title needs to be in the main event. It's okay that it do, that it isn't sometimes. Totally fine with that. And I thought that was one hundred percent the right move for New Orleans. Um, maybe I mean if you're gonna do Gargano, Alistair Black, then Black has to turn heel. Number one. And if you're not gonna do that, then I think you can do Gargano Champa again, um, and have Champa cost him a number one contendership in some in some way, and have that be in a steel cage or hell in a cell or. Something along those lines. I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough all the way. What do we got next on the list here? Up next uh, from Dylan Hager at D Hager J15. 
BC, an NJPW question yes. for you. Who do you want to take the U.S. title from Switchblade? He personally would love to see Juice or Ishii get a run. Um, yeah, anyone. <laughs> so it's like, damn, uh, that was my. That was, sh- oh, should I play I the soundbite from Baron from the great Bray Wyatt saying anyone but you, Roman? Anyone? No, my <laughs> real answer. Look, I love Juice and, and Ishii, of course, but my real answer is I think Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes should be your U.S. champion. I would like to see Cody Rhodes get more of an investment in NJPW as a major player moving forward. Wouldn't it make a ton of sense for him to be your U.S. champion like Kenny just was in an American-looking face? I know, obviously, Kenny's from Canada, but, you know, an English-speaking American-looking face, and obviously Cody is from the U.S., makes too much sense. Cody's doing such incredible heel work that I'd like to see him become a major title-contending person in NJPW, and the way to do that is to go through this belt to get to the next level. Your complete answer was the right answer, so I won't repeat it. All right, BC, let's just move on then. Number four from at TCC. A-S-S-A, T.C. Casa, I guess. I don't know. Uh, He said, watching the first TLC match, he thinks it's obvious, and I'm assuming it's a he, might be a she, uh, that all six of these men are Hall of Fame worthy. Edge is already in. Dudley's winning this year. All three teams he thinks are first ballot Hall of Famers. There are no ballots, just to let you guys know. It's really just whoever (laughs) Vince wants to put in the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on Solo Christian and Solo Jeff going into the Hall of Fame? If you build their tag team resume, both had pretty solid solo careers as well. He feels people forget Jeff Hardy's title run against Punk and Taker. Uh, look, there's no chance Jeff is going to go in solo. They're going to go in as brothers. I think his question is, does Jeff deserve to go in solo? No, I don't think he does. Certainly he had a great career. He's going to go in any way with his brother, so it, it's almost a moot point altogether. But to indulge the question, no, I don't think Jeff should go in a second time or should go in as a solo. He's going to go in with Matt. The, the tough question here is Christian, though. Ultimately, it really is because... He doesn't, he's just not, I know he did have a one WC or sorry, world heavyweight championship run. He's just short of the level to go in on his own. And I know they've made it a joke. In fact, if anyone didn't watch this year's hall of fame, and by the way, it was gratuitously long and I blame Hill, Billy, Jim for setting a bad tone for it to become, he had the longest speech was like 34 minutes. It was almost Mr. T level, but the stuff that Christian and edge did in their intro for the Dudleys, which is the first part of the night was brilliant. It's like a skit. You got to go back and watch. It's great. And they played up on that joke about Christian never getting the call. I think Christian will eventually go in later when he's older. And it's one of those, Hey, you know, he didn't go in yet. He's great. He's been around. That's fine. For all I know, we could go in next year. as like the number three name, but I just think Christian has fallen short of that space. Unless he would go in with edge and he didn't end up going with edge and he didn't really have to go in with edge. He will get in though. I mean, look, it's there's no rules in the WWE Hall of Fame, so I'm trying to gauge it from how I think people should be. Well, that's that's the problem. There's no rules. And if Rikishi is in, then how is someone who won the world title not in? Well, then like you got to put in everybody who ever won a world title. So I know it's a mess. So I that's think- the problem. That's the problem. Because that that's exactly the issue. I totally agree with you. Christian solo act. No freaking way. The peep show I thought sucked. Like, I don't personally find him especially entertaining. I like him. I think. With Christian, they are amazing together, but Christian as a solo act for me never necessarily reached that level where he would be deserving of a Hall of Fame. It's interesting with Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy does have the solo resume to put him in and have him be a deserving member of the Hall of Fame, but there's very few people who go in twice. You look at someone like Ric Flair, right? Shawn Michaels with DX. And then by himself, right? Well, DX isn't in. No, 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 but but it 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 will will be. be, Yeah, yeah. So. So, so it really takes a special spec. Like Road Dog is not going to be solo plus DX plus New Age Outlaws 
it's going to be one time, right? So, so that's how I look at it with the Hardy Boys because you have to have Matt in. So unless you're going to, when you introduce them, you're going to say they're going in as a team and as individuals because both of them do legitimately have long enough solo careers in WWE and elsewhere to deserve to be in as solo acts. Unless you're going to do that, you're not going to put them in as brothers and then separately as solo acts over the next five years. It doesn't make sense. They have to go. Yeah, Christian's team. 42 years old about he'll get in when he's like 55 and then it'll be fine. It'll be like, yeah, we love Christian. He was great with Edge, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you need to rush him in because he's not deserving right now. Uh, spinoff question I just want to hit real quick. This I'm asking this. This is at B. Campbell CBS asking this. Who do we <laughs> think could be the headliner? the number one, the Goldberg spot in next year's Hall of Fame. Now, Adam, I haven't done a ton of research, so I don't have a great answer necessarily, but I think it's interesting to sort of kind of toss out now and say, who do we think that guy could be? You know what I'd love WWE to do, but they won't because they'll say no, is to, as an attempt to start bridging the gap, call up Punk and say, hey, we want to put you in as a headliner next year. And, of course, the fans would flock like crazy and the rumor mill would get started and maybe him coming back and shaking hands would get him to want to come back to them, but he would say no, so that's a moot point. Do you have any one name that's jumping out at you that would be worthy? <laughs> I like that your answer to your own question was no. Like, your your choice of the answer was, and then you end up saying it wouldn't happen. Um, no one stands out to me, but I will tell you something that I would love to see that won't happen. It's going to be in New York, right? I would love to see Earl Hebner get inducted. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, no question. I would love to it. see Mike Chioda get inducted. I want to see some of these peripheral guys that are not announcers and are not, you know, in-ring talent that you see, that you know them, you know their face. They had a major impact on the industry. They were involved in storylines. It would be cool. He, they would never let a referee headline, although if anyone did deserve, he would. Um, it would be cool to see some of those types of guys get their shine and Hall of Fame, be able to tell their stories, be able to do media interviews and kind of go through that whole process. I oh, think that'd no be awesome. No doubt about it. And to really answer my question, it comes down to who's the biggest name not in. And I think The Rock is probably that answer, right? The Rock, The Undertaker. Oh, if you did Undertaker. Now, he doesn't have a New York connection, but he doesn't need one. I mean, New York connection is that he's, you know, the greatest character, the greatest single character in, in New York territory, Paul, his, you know, history. But Paul uh, Heyman. Paul Heyman. Yeah, but I'm talking about the face, the guy who's literally going to be the face of the Goldberg spot, the you know that spot. Uh, who was it two years ago, by the way? Who was? Oh, it was uh, it was Kurt Angle, the face two years ago. This last this right. year it was Goldberg. Hey, yeah, if it's either the Rock or a Taker, that's probably the biggest, the biggest two. And, and it would make sense if that was Taker's last match. If they announced it would be, then have him go in. Go, yeah, hey, I'm I'm not against that. All right, let's put our hands in a, in the field spot to close. We went long again this week. Hey, as long as you guys are going to keep listening. We're just going to keep bringing the thunder, and we try to keep it under two hours the best we can. Uh, for maybe my fourth straight week, you're saying? My field spot <laughs> is 205 Live or something related to it. Guys, the entire episode this week was a gauntlet match to produce Cedric Alexander's opponent in the Greatest Royal Rumble, and it was awesome across the board. Mustafa Ali selling that knee was great. And by the way, his new entrance, I really like him with that face mask that awesome. has lights. And I know it's a ripoff of what DJ Z was doing in TNA a couple years ago, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I absolutely love it. But the the main reason why this is my feel spot is Drew Gulak. And I've gone on this show before and told you his new look is great. They're presenting him now as a submission specialist. They're going away from the PowerPoint stuff, which I did love, by the way. But he's got great in-ring gear with his name on the boots and on the tights. Not wearing knee pads, which very few guys can pull off. It's like a Minoru Suzuki thing. But the best part about Drew Gulak, besides the muscle he's put on, he's got a cooler haircut, is 
as a submission master, his dragon sleeper, which they call the Gulak, which is an incredible name, great name, is absolutely vicious because he's choking out people's faces under his armpit, and you can't you can't see their eyes. You can only basically see their nose and mouth. It's vicious. He's incredible. I really wanted him to be the one facing Mustafa Ali. I don't know if he even could if they don't allow Jewish people into Saudi. We don't even really know. I mean, it's just whatever on that. But shout out to 205. The reason why it's my field spot every week is this. Getting ready for this. Bold, oh, it's bold statement time on the ITC. You ready for this? <laughs> right now, if I'm ranking WWE shows from entertainment standpoint, they're weekly shows. And by the way, not the takeovers. The takeovers are the best thing going. Weekly shows. Right now, it's whatever between SmackDown and Raw are the best. And 205 Live number two. I'm, I'm not kidding. NXT is great at the takeovers. Some weeks of NXT programming are amazing. I, I think they're not as consistent right now as they were in 2015 in terms of that, even though they have the talent. 205 Live is the second best show to watch each week. I'm saying it. I stand well, by the it. NXT, the NXT problem is that it's taped four at a time. And it's just like the live shows do matter. Like moving SmackDown to Tuesdays was cool. Making it live gave it that extra juice that it needs. And 205 Live having that and now being booked by Triple H, it's really good. I will never tell you that your feel spot's wrong, okay? But never tell it that is to repe- it, But it is repetitive, and we've talked a lot about 205 Live. I'm going to give a main roster feel spot, just as I did last week with Mickey James. This was the best moment of the week, period. In ring, on mic, everything. This was the best moment. Braun Strowman shoulder tackling Kevin Owens twice like a ragdoll outside the ring and then following up with the missile dropkick, I laughed out loud at how entertained and am- entertained I was by it and how amazing that moment was. Go watch the GIFs online. I'll, I'll send, them, send you a video if you can't find them. It is hysterical the way Kevin Owens sells these shoulder tackles by Braun Strowman. That is as much of a feel spot as I can possibly give. Home run. I love it. I love it. And by the way, if Punk did accept the Hall of Fame nod, and went up there, wouldn't it be amazing if he cut a real pipe bomb number two and just went off and basically said this at the podium? Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Oh, wow. I just, I just popped myself. They're self-pop, as as the great Carl or Luke Gallows would say. By the way, the real answer to this question, the Hall of Fame question, is Vince McMahon but we know he will not allow that to happen until no, he's gone. No, no, no. He, he, it won't happen. But yeah, that is, that is definitely it. Hey, hey, we put another great episode in the books this week. Shout out to all of our guests from WWE, headlined by Samoa Joe there. We appreciate you, the listeners, taking the time to hear that. And hey, check out our other ITC offerings this week, including our bonus interview, our MMA Bellator preview with the great King Mo, and all other fine ITC products. Speaking of ITC products, we got some got some merch out there, right? At this point, we gotta we gotta put a few catchphrases on some T-shirts. I know our guy Tristan Adelano is holding up signs at Mania for a shout out. To that. I gotta get that guy in the show, by the way, Tristan. If you're out there listening, and I know you are, you're coming on the show. The next the next the next gimmick I can create for you. We 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 definitely appreciate that. But maybe we'll get a beer, a, a koozie, or a T-shirt one of these days, and we'll you know. Yeah, I mean, I, we have to check to see if that's allowed by the uh, powers that be here at CBS Sports. But if it is. Uh, we should definitely make that happen. One other thing I want to, I didn't, I wrote this down. I don't want to forget on the way out. I randomly stumbled across on WWE network, a show called WWE Chronicle. They just released it. They didn't promote it on raw. Nothing. It's one episode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and it's a face-to-face interview with him during the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania build. Wow. It's not good. It's not great. 
It's incredible. It's maybe the best thing I've seen on WWE Network. It's like 45 minutes. Go watch it before next week's show. Tweet me. I want BCU to watch it as well. Wow. I'm telling you. I'm not overselling it. It was great. This guy's like, this is the best show I've ever seen. That's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best that this world has to offer. Hey, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to check that out for Adam Silverstein. This is TBC. Adam, send the people out with a message. Doesn't Kenny Omega come first or no? Oh, of course. Oh I God. need to hear Kenny before the show. Okay, we out. <laughs>